When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome in all. Welcome to your Thursday. Great to have your company today. Going to be talking a little bit of league today, uh, both previewing this weekend's round. Can the can the mighty one New Zealand Warriors go two from two, <clears throat> and can the Roosters go zero oh from two? Most people would have thought the reverse. Hope is strong. Hope is strong. I'm going to talk to Dan Talentire. He's the editorial lead at the NRL, and we'll go through the games with a big focus on the Warriors and the Roosters, which is happening in Sydney town. Uh, just after two, we'll talk to Tony Johnson, as we do each and every Thursday, talking uh, Super Rugby Pacific. Um, we'll touch on the uh, All Black coaching situation again with news during the week that Joe Schmidt might be arm-twisted into having a little crack at it. So is it Schmidt? Robertson, Foster, not Foster, Smith, Robertson and Joseph. We will find out. We will find out. Just before we start Midday Madness, actually. Get your thinking caps on. Midday Madness is going to be, which NRL players would you be scared to see in a Wallabies jersey? Scared slash excited, because they need some help, the Wallabies. They need help with depth. They probably need a little bit of help with talent as well. And Cam Murray has said he's interested to talk to Eddie Jones. And there's always rumours around this. Maybe Australia might try and get him out of his contract earlier to release him to Eddie. Interesting. But there's a whole lot of good Australian qualified citizens playing NRL. Who would make that transition over to the Wallabies? I just mentioned a Smithy Payne Haas. What a wrecking ball. So 0800 150 811, that's Midday Madness. But I just want to bring to your attention, you may not be aware, the... PGA Tour of Australasia, of which New Zealand Open was last week. There is the New Zealand PGA Championship on at the moment at Golf Harbour Country Club. A Kiwi golfer by the name of Sung Jun Yo has just gone through nine holes and has scored 28. He is eight under through nine. Scenes. Two pars, six birdies. And an eagle. My word. And right down the bottom, someone, someone had an 11 
on a par five on the 14th, which looks to be the hardest, the hardest hole on the course. So I'm going to keep my eye on this leaderboard. That is unbelievable scoring. You like that? Unbelievable. But this time it is. Eight under through nine holes. Fantastic. But midday madness. Give me some NRL players. Sammy's probably got a few. He's up to his neck in NRL. NRL players that could make the switch. As I mentioned yesterday, I feel like, I'm not saying the easiest, but maybe the the positions that could get learned quickest by league players that have never played rugby um, might be six. Um, definitely not the front row because scrummaging's a whole new beast. Um, Brad Thorne, who was like a, a, a power forward, you know, not massively tall, but an absolute engine in the scrum and around the field and defensively. The only thing he didn't have was height, but he more than made up for that in all of the other areas of his game. One of the great all-black locks. So think positionally. Uh, Nathan Cleary that Smithy just mentioned to me, yeah, I think um, I think he would he would take not very long. He just seems a really smart sort of guy. He's got a big body as well. But would he be a 10? Would he be a 10? He, that's probably it for him. Um, the other ones we sort of tossed around between ourselves. Actually, I'm not going to take the names from you. I want you to yell us. Yell at us. 0800 150 811. Big followers of NRL out there. Which current NRL player, Australian eligible, someone mentioned Joey Manu yesterday, but he's a Kiwi, so he couldn't play for the Wallabies. But he'd be, oh, he'd be an amazing rugby player. Who are the NRL players that Eddie Jones should go and have a look at and would excite you to see them in a Wallabies jersey for rugby purposes? 0800 150 Love to hear from you. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Mark texts through and said any of them. <laughs> and I don't think that's Mark saying that the NRL is strong. I think it might be Mark saying the Wallabies are weak. Reading between the lines, that's, that's what I feel like he's saying. Um, we've got some bits and pieces of audio that we're going to play. In fact, let's play the first one, Sam, because I don't know what bits of audio you've got. My, my number one is probably Payne Haas. Huge man. Pays to burn as well, Payne Haas. Yeah. It's a different fitness too, isn't it? Correct. There's no having holidays. Like, you can have a holiday in league. He is. There was a try that he scored, I want to say, in 2019, certainly pre-COVID, where he basically went the length of, well, he at least went 60 metres, where he just busted through the defence and just outran everyone. Fast, big, strong, almost like a mm, Riddiki Samo. You know, oh, like yeah, a yeah. like a sort of mobile lock. Um, so I don't know, maybe and he's six foot four. So I don't know what's a standard lock height. Oh, they're up around higher six seven. I think Brody's six seven. I tell you what, he anywhere in the back row, I reckon he'd be he'd be lethal. Mm, mm. Right, send your text through double eight double three. That's the Tampa Bear Post text machine and. Uh, Please do call, just like Brent has on 0800 150 811. G'day, Brent. 
Tony Staggs. Say that again. Katoni Staggs. Oh, Katoni Staggs. Okay, Sam's giving that an interesting yeah. little where would nod. You, where would you play him, Brent? Uh, probably second five, would you? Or uh, on the wing? Yeah, we obviously play in the centres for the Broncos. But, Steph, what are, you, what are your thoughts on a centre in league converting to a centre in rugby union? Because we, we talked about um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek and how hard it is to pick up that centre position and. Too many rugby. decisions to make. Too many rugby decisions to make. Do you think, Brent? Like the, I feel like wing and blindside flanker are the ones I think that they'd find easier. Do you think it might be a little bit too technical to to make an impact initially, going from league to rugby in the middle of a backline? Uh possibly. Yeah. It's blooming yeah. hard. It's blooming hard. We've got great coaches here, but. Um, yeah, I don't mind Tony Staggs. Any other big boppers that would spring to mind? Oh, I can't think of his name. It only plays for the um, been around for a while. The uh, big tall fellow with the beard. Uh, so he's a bit of a journeyman. Aaron um, Woods. Aaron Woods. That's him. Okay, interesting. Yeah, sure. Might be a bit long in the tooth for Eddie to have a look at him now, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's certainly would be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good food for thought though. Yeah. Thanks, Brent. Okay. Cheers, buddy. It's great because there's not only are you picking players, you also have to work out where you put them. So, like, there's tons of texts coming in here. Someone said Matt Burton from the Bulldogs at 12. So, Burton's got the kicking game, but he's got that big up and under. So, you know, where, where is he most effective on a rugby field is, is sort of the big question. And, like... I'm not. I'm not picking on the blues here, but I feel like it's it's a it's a reasonable example. Is that it, it's? I was going to say it took Roger a long time. I still think he's learning the game. Um, he's a lot better than when he first came over. But look at the observation slash criticism uh, given at Rico Yuani about his defensive play and his option takings. And he'd played rugby his whole life, and he just moved from wing to centre. He has a lot to learn at centre. A lot. In saying that, now I think with Roger, he never played centre in rugby league. So I wonder if someone like a Katoni Staggs or and my one is Val Holmes, and I'm sure someone's going to call or text in about Val Holmes because I think he'd be lethal. And he plays in the centres as well for the Cowboys. And I wonder if they've played in centre in league, whether that might um, correlate. And then you look at what Andy Farrell's done with Ireland, and he's brought the rugby league defensive line in staff. Maybe yeah, see, I think coaching is beautiful for league to go to union because yeah. I, I think league defensive patterns and techniques mm-hmm. and I think that's superior to rugby 100%. And, and almost rugby's put their hand up now saying actually we think so too and yep. they're bringing them all over mm-hmm. except for Lebanon who took Michael Checker from rugby into rugby league True. yeah <laughs> didn't exactly get them the chocolates but no, you know but it's Lebanon you know uh, 0800 150 talking to Matt from Hamilton g'day Matt Steffi how are you mate good thanks Matt Hey, um, I thought Xavier Coates would make an instant impact on the wing and um, Matt Burton from the Dogs, he could just about go anywhere in that back line, I think. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of um, Matt Burton, if I'm perfectly honest. Oh, yeah, 5-8 five, five, for the Bulldogs, but did play centre for the Panthers, so... Um yeah, like he's got a he's you might have seen him in State of Origin staff. He puts up a bomb literally that goes over the roof of any stadium. It's it's <laughs> the biggest thing you'll ever see. He's got massive legs. Yeah, he, he can kick it from one end of the earth to the other. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's according to Phil Gould, probably, <laughs> along with Josh Adokar, the fastest man on the planet. Um, well, who was the other one you mentioned? Sorry, there. Uh, uh, Xavier Coates. Yeah, Xavier Coates, which I mean, great. I think 
you'd use him in a certain way, Steph. So he's he's a big, tall guy out on the wing, got a bit of pace to burn as well. He'd be perfect for your cross-field kicks. If, so, would Daniel Tupo fit that mould as well? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, you know, if you if the, if the um, Wallabies could work in that sort of game plan of kicking cross-field, I mean, I'd almost go so far as to say that I don't think any All Black would match Xavier Coates in the air. Wow. So, you know, dangerous. Yeah, maybe Daniel maybe just a little bit longer than the tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. yeah, we need those yeah. young robots. They'll, they'll, they'll take what they can get, though, I think. Yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, they'll take much. anyone. <laughs> they'll take some reserve graders. <laughs> good on you, mate. You have a good day. Eh? Cheers, Matt. Cheers, buddy. I wonder if Eddie Jones got the ability to get some third parties injecting some cash into Australian rugby and say, mate, I want to fix Australian rugby, but we need some money to get some of these boys over or create academy or whatever it is. Um, he's probably got that influence. Like... He, he's almost like the second coming of the Lord in Australia now. Whenever he's at an event, the cameras find him and he sits there beaming and the crowd cheers and yeah. he's got something about him, hasn't he? I think to, okay, whether or not things get put under the table in the NRL, they probably do. Let's not be naive. The players probably get paid on the table, but they are hamstrung by the salary cap, whereas the Wallabies can throw whatever they want at a player. So, But the problem is there isn't much in their bank I, account. I get that, but still, you know, like the, the, the thought of them having a bit more money to to, to work with is there. Um, the, the common theme in all these texts at the moment, Steph, is um, Nelson Asafa Solomon, and I know he's a Kiwi in terms of he's, he's paying for the Kiwis, but, you know, if we were to hypothetically see him in a Wallabies jersey that would be pretty scary because he's a if you've ever seen Nelson live at a I, game I stood next to him at that Storm oh. Warriors game on the sideline man I, he I, I just he, he probably thought I fancied him because I was just staring at him and I'm like <laughs> look at the width of your neck mm. he's everything his head is huge yeah his his, his elbows are huge everything is like you're looking at him through a magnifying glass yeah I think the biggest human I've ever witnessed in real life. Probably, actually, for me. Uh, yeah, he, he's just – it's it's not just the, the height. It's the actual the, the bulk-to-height ratio, which is – he'd be a scary, scary rugby player. Um, I, I don't think he'd be able to play more than 30 minutes of rugby no, that's with the his thing. current cardio. Yeah. Uh, but you'd probably get him up to speed. You know, mm. Eddie would probably whip him into shape. What about – some people have said Nico Hines, and I, I sort of feel like Nico Hines a little bit of a Dan Carter type type style of play like he's a very smart halfback that seems to just read defense as well on when to go when not to go can sort of slice a defense open if he wants to he's got a bit of a left foot step I don't think he's left-handed Nico Hines but or you know left-footed but um I sort of see him in a little bit of a carter mold so whether or not it translates rugby league to rugby there but he'd, he'd be one you put on there Dally M winner last year mm. you know you can't go past a player of the year because I try and think of positions like Try and compare uh, Bowden Barrett, for example. Who's a player in the NRL that could play like Bowden Barrett? And I can't think of one. I don't think they... I think a Cleary is sort of like a Barrett. He might be like the only one. takes the line on and, and, you know? And I don't know why... I don't think Cam Master would go any good at rugby. Uh, wouldn't do very well at rugby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think Cam Master would translate. Um, Latrell Mitchell, I'm not sure he would translate. If he got fit, I think he'd be devastating. It's oh, a big if. He'd be like you know? um, Lester Fyangonuku. I think he'd be like him. Would you, would you put him? Would you put him on the wing? Would you? No, I'd go centre with him. Okay. With, with a with a David Havili, even a Roger inside him, like like the step step shifty shifty bit of a kicking game. Well, 
Trell Mitt can kick, can't he? Yeah, he, well, he kicks goals. Yeah, I know yeah. kicks goals. I don't yeah. know if he, he'd he doesn't be... really kick an open play, but he can kick goals. So, but he'd be he'd draw attention. Remember, do you remember Matthew Bustero from France? He rings a bell. Yeah, he was like a Manonu, but bigger with dreadlocks, and he becomes a, a focal point when when they're on attack. They become a focal point for the defence, and because one person can't tackle them, I yep. think Latrell Mitchell could be that guy. And you got to think about too pairing him up with Karevi. Is so that is it Sami Karevi? Yeah, well, I, I think Radiki Samo, and then I think Sami Karevi, um, because just what you've just said, you you couldn't leave Latrell on his own, but likewise you can't tackle Karevi on his own. So mm. the combination of the two would actually be quite potent. Although you got two very big bodies there, but look, I I would be scared. It's like that against our midfield, especially the fact that we can't seem to nail down a a, a mm. fit midfield at the moment. Um, yeah, there's a couple of tweaks there, Eddie. He could make. Is Ruffalo? <laughs> he's played for everyone, hasn't he? He has, actually. Has he played, yeah. he's he's played, played sevens? He's played Wallabies. He's played Kangaroos. He's played AFL. Yeah. He's played in Japan. Yeah. NRL Premiership, Storm. Jeez. Freakish athlete. Yeah. Someone like him. See, I think um, Kim Amala, I know not Wallabies, but I think he could have been a rug- good rugby player as well. Same as Fuss. I think they, he could have been a good rugby player as well. So yeah, Fuss was very, very athletic. Mm. Anyway. Tell us who yours are. 0800 150 Love to take your calls. If you don't call, I'll start reading texts, but calls get precedence. Be the precedence. Be the precedent of New Zealand. 0800 150 Back after this. Welcome back in. Um, midday Madness. NRL players that would be awesome for the Wallabies. Transferring over. Tell us who. Tell us what position. Had some good ones. Had a lot of text messages in, but phone calls first. Simon from Hamilton. G'day, Simon. Yeah, afternoon, Staffy. Um, I've got one current and one ex-player. The ex-player that I thought would go so good is Gordon Tallis at six. He'd just be oh. a minute, wouldn't he? Oh, oh, I'm hearing you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they didn't pick him up early on. But the current guy I'm thinking of, and he's a uh, North Queensland cowboy, I reckon that Jeremy Manai at six as well. He could be a, a freak. And, uh, whatever, well, he's a freak in whatever he does. I think he'd be a good show. Oh, mate, look, if Sam Hewitt's in the production booth nodding like he is, I'm agreeing with you as well. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. good shout. Can, oh, just when you talked about Gordon Tell, can you imagine uh, Mark Geyer going up against Troy Flavel, both in the number six jersey? Can you imagine that? Oh, <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be very good. <laughs> oh, good shout, Simon. Thank you, buddy. Cheers, mate. Um, one from Charles. Charles, I'm going to take you up on your challenge. Tino Fa'asomalalawi. <laughs> I got it except for the second to last syllable. Say it again. Tino Mal. I don't know how the last part of the... Is it Leoi? Uh, well, okay, it's always hard because of the way the Aussies say things. So I, I haven't actually heard. I do have the Titans pronunciation guide, so maybe I'll get that up in the uh, in the news break. But the way the Aussies say it is Tino Fa'asua Malaawi. Oh, is that how they say it? Yeah, but it might be like you said, like lu- I, Lua'i. I was doing sideline for our commentary at SNC last year yeah. when we played them, mm. and I had to talk to him. You just called him Big Tino. Yeah, and I just said to him, mate, uh, I'm about to chat to you. Can you give me the pronunciation of your name? And he said it so fast. And he said, oh, I said, sorry again. And he, he went, and he goes, just call me Big Tino. 
<laughs> you know, for us all, for our way. But yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Actually, I've got a video here of it as well. So, um, big boy, big Tino, he is and big young. Tino, and young, young as well. Which, to be honest, most of the people we're talking about are actually quite young, relatively anyway, in mm. terms of rugby careers. Um, and Jeremiah Nani is very young too, and I think he won second rower. Um, well, one was in sort of that second row team of the year last year for the Cowboys, so um, he'd be fantastic. The mm. second rowers are really, I think, a bit of a target because they're big dudes that are mobile. Mm, yeah, you good know? shout. Good shout. Uh, Staffy, I think Zach Lomax, midfield, and good goal kicker, big guy. Others, Josh Adokar on the wing. Yes, Victor Radley at seven. Victor Radley. You know who he reminds me of? You have to be quite old to know this. He reminds me of Kevin Everly back in the day. Um, those in Kenny Stewart, those hard, those hard number sevens, like really mobile. Victor Radley, he'd be fantastic. Let's go to Monaco. Izzy, g'day, Izzy. Hey, Steph, how's it, mate? Good to hear from you, Izzy. Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to touch base on um, the whole NRL comparison, like, you know, uh, chopping chains for all, or my rugby union. I think my pick for the old school, there's a couple of. Have Petro Seven or Siva, probably as a a lock slash six. Yep. And yep. then uh, another one from the old school one would probably, I'll probably have um, uh, Brett Kamali as a halfback. Actually, that's right because I've I've been racking my brain for like halfbacks in league that could become halfbacks in rugby. Brett Kamali's a good shout. He would have been good. He would have been good because yep. I feel like most of the rugby league. Um, Halfbacks are more like first fives the way they play. Yeah, um, they've, they've, it's changed dramatically. But if you think back to when you remember Sharky Robinson, yes, you remember the the old North Harbour Blues uh, halfback. Uh, I think he was a one or two test All Black or something. And then you remember he made his debut for the Warriors. I can't remember when it was. I think it was oh four oh five. But he was a halfback, and then he went straight into the hooker role mm. at the Warriors. Mm. He but, was, you know, and I always thought, I always thought hooker and halfback were sort of similar. Yeah. And I always thought the six, like standoff, was always the first five, and halfback was sort of like the director in the background. So, but um, yeah, and and just my current player, um, I'd have um, I'd have probably Tohu Harris as a as as a number eight. Oh yeah, yeah, a real toiler. Yeah, yeah. I like that yeah, shout. Yeah, just thought I'd jump on board and, um, yeah, um, good show and listening to it, so, yeah. Good, good man, Tuesday. is it? Good to hear from you, buddy. Have a good Tuesday. Yeah, you too. Cheers, boys. Thanks. Cheers, brother. Um, someone's just said, why the hell are we helping the Wallabies? We're not. We're just well, having talk back. Of, they sort of, sort of do need some help, though, don't they? Yeah, well, the, I don't think Eddie Jones is listening to the show. What about um, Turbo at the fullback? Yes. So, Tommy Turbo, mm. when I watch him... He runs the same lines and he ghosts around, just like Ben Smith used to do. He's a bigger version of Ben Smith, but you just think, oh, where's he going? Oh, he's gone. He's found a gap. There was no gap and he found it. Yeah. Ben Smith was that guy. Slippery. Yeah, and just an incredible nouse for gaps and where to run and what angles and when to pass and when not. Ben Smith had all of that. Yeah, he'd be he'd be phenomenal as long as he can stay fit. <laughs> Made a glass, unfortunately. Uh Turbo. Um, here you go for a Tino pronunciation. Tino Faso Malawi. Do it again. Tino Faso Malawi. He sort of says Tina. Tina Faso Malawi. Tino Faso Malawi. 
Fasua Malaawi. It's the second to last syllable that I'm I'm struggling with. Tina Fasua Malaawi. 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 Okay. Yeah. Tina Fasua Malaawi. Yeah. Yes. And at the very end of the game, he said it twice as fast as that, and I just couldn't pick Fatina it up. Fasua, just yeah. call me Big Tina. It's like um we talked about last week, didn't we? Or or maybe we didn't get a chance to. But um I mentioned it in the commentary. I I got really annoyed with people calling chance. You know, nickel clue clue start and like using all these weird pronunciations. But then I asked, and uh, you know, apparently it is pronounced clue k, so like clue k, and the the d on the start is silent in um is it Norwegian or something? So it's so uh, someone put out the pronunciation when you were away, mm. and he said it rhymes with book b o o k s t a r. So it's book star. So it's clock star. Clock. Oh well, this one I read was clue. It says c l u e dash k clue. Star, okay, Cluck, star. Oh, gee, it's so hard because even some players who you know maybe don't know the history of their name don't. Which you know, he didn't. No, exactly. And and you know there'll be probably some of those boys as well who I'm, I'm not saying that Tino specifically, but maybe yeah aren't well versed in their in their native language, so they don't know you know particularly mm. how it might be pronounced in an island. But um, yeah, the the chance maybe I will just call him Chance. Is that disrespectful? C N K. Yeah. DWT. What is that? Uh, triple T. Yeah, Triple Gee, T. Gee was there was some backlash over that. Mm. Oh, wasn't there? Wasn't there? Uh, and to Steve Hansen credit, when he called him Triple T in journalists, he's, oh, he hasn't taken the time to learn his name. Next press conference, he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Um, 0800 150 We'll take new sport with it. Love to hear your NRL converts that could help the Wallabies. Here's Johnny Mac. You better start to move your feet. To the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah! Just keeping an eye on this uh, young golfer. Uh, gosh, it's just disappeared. Here it is. Remember, I said eight under through nine for Sung Jin Yo. Ten under through twelve. Still going. <laughs> Part nine and ten, and then he's booted eleven and twelve. This is incredible. This is incredible scoring. Uh, I'll just give you top of the leaderboard, actually. So Sung Jin Yo is on 10 under through 12. Four shots back to second place. Michael uh, Wright, the Queenslander, he's six under through 15. Uh, Will Florimo, uh, another Queenslander, is in the clubhouse at five under. Finished. Uh, Sam Jones, Kiwi Amateur, five under through 15. Joshua Bai, Kiwi Amateur, five under through 12. And then Josh Geary. Four under through 12. Michael Hendry's on three under. Um, Tyler Hodge, who someone sent through a tip for the New Zealand Open last week, and he was paying heaps. Uh, Three under through 12, so a good start for them. Uh, Some other names that you might be interested. Joshua Bai, two under. Kiwi Amateur. David Smale, one under through 15. But gosh, the... You'd think one under through 15 in round one of a professional, you're going okay. Um, you're way off the lead. Uh, Kazuma Kabori, who I think won it last year, I think won it as an amateur, is one, un- one under through 12. Yes, he did win it last year. It's a $150,000 purse. It's not massive money. All at once it is, but um, it's not a huge total purse. So I am going to keep an eye on this young man who is currently playing 13, which is a par three. So it's past 72. Um, so even if they par their way in, they're going to shoot 62. So three more birdies needed to break 60. He's got a par five coming. 
Looks like the 14th hole is the hardest one on the course today. It's had quite a few bogeys. Oh, is that the right hole? No, this one here. This hole here is 13, I think. No, 14. That's the one where someone had an 11. Um, NRL players that the Wallabies, Eddie Jones, should transfer over. Give us their names and give us their positions that you think would make pretty damn good rugby players. The great man from yesterday from Palmy. G'day, Lemmy. Oh, hey, guys, Steffi. Good, thanks, Lemmy. Hey, I just thought of a team anyway, or back line anyway. Um, for halfback, like this is out of the blue one, this one. Harry Grown, halfback. Nico Hines, first 5'8". I'll put Latrell at second 5'8". Tom Tavoyevich at centre. Valentine's wing, Valentine Holmes wing. Ed O'Carr on the other wing. And James Tedesco, fullback. James Tedesco, fullback. Yes, he could, yeah. he could run it back. Has he got the kicking game? Yeah. I'm not sure because you need to have a pretty good kicking game at fullback. He, he yeah, can... yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I forgot about that. No, I just thought I'd just say something about that. But <laughs> yeah, that'd be my team. That's me. What, <laughs> what are you up to today, Lemmy? I'm actually uh, working today. Hey. I'm actually got at work. I'm you know just at work doing truck driving and just having a look at the view to from my Uru back to Palmy. Oh, beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Yeah. Hey, also I've got another one too. Um, Oh, Shannon Frizzell's brother, is it Tyrell or Tyson? Ty- Tyson, Tyson Frizzell, yeah. Yeah, I think he'd be pretty good at thank you, number six, I reckon. Nice. I think he might be, you know, might be a bit better than Shannon. There you are, there you are. You just about got a whole team, Lemmy. <laughs> no, just about. I was trying to think of other players, but I couldn't think of other players, mate. So, yeah, that's my thought anyway. Good man, Lemmy. But, yeah, it's a good... Gone. Oh, sorry. Uh, if you can still hear me, let me. Thanks for calling in. Uh, someone says, Steph, I'd love to see Tommy Turbo in rugby, but I reckon a guy that could convert over is ex-Brisbane Broncos, make a hell of a lock, that bloke, Thornbrad. If anyone's going to bring back Israel Folau, it will be Eddie. I think Israel Folau is now 34. And playing in Japan? No, it wasn't. Didn't he play? Didn't he get signed to some or a club. rugby league club? Like not in the NRL, obviously, but um, like the backwash cockroaches or something like that. Sure. Um, I thought he didn't he try and play sevens for a while as well. Did he ever go to sevens? Or maybe I'm thinking of not for Jared a, Hayne. Not for Australia. Where's Jared Hayne? Is he in jail? Did he? Uh, yeah, did, he is. He did, but he he's is. challenging it. Um, uh, signed a one-year deal to the Catlin Dragons after playing 15 games and he was released set to join the Southport Tigers in the Gold Coast Rugby League in a small stint before playing Rugby Union Japanese League one however was disallowed from being registered just three days before playing by the Queensland Rugby League ah so he's blocked I, I don't think I don't, I don't any, think uh, Australian rugby would take him back there's just too much bad blood there because he was that massive payout that just about correct he 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 burned his bridges there for sure Mm. he ain't going back but um so i think he's in japan playing at the moment i think you're right yeah it just came up the year 2022 so Mm. there we go there we go there are a lot of it's one of those um almost silly hypotheticals but there's just so many athletes who you sort of wonder how they'd go in another sport you know like there's a lot of Good NRL players, it would have been amazing rugby players, vice versa. It would have been a lot of really good um, rugby players that, you know, could have gone to NRL and, you know, cricketers and rugby players. There's, there's all sorts, isn't there? What about that of... chatter around Geordie Barrett? 
going to the Warriors. What, what do you, what wow, that's just, I think the new tactic for contract negotiations with the All Blacks is you just jump, on a, jump on a podcast and say he'd been, you want to play rugby league. Yeah. Literally. Savia did it. Um, TJ Perenata did it. Geordie Barrett did it. It's just, maybe it's a Hurricanes thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, boys, 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 it worked yeah, for me. Together. Yeah, it worked for me. It worked for you. Um, but you, yeah. you remember Artie Savia's reasoning. Do you remember Artie Savia's uh, reason? Because he, he announced it on the podcast I did with him. Oh, and, okay. And he said, because of the rugby eligibility rules, he wants to wear a Samoan jersey for his grandfather mm. back in Samoa. Mm-hmm. And the only way he can do that is in rugby league, right. is play rugby league for Samoa. So if he did, if he did, which I don't think he will, go to rugby league, yes, it would be the NRL. And let's say it's the Tigers or the Warriors, whoever it is. He's doing it so he can play for Samoa, so he can sing the anthem for his grandfather. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, he Artie would be fantastic in rugby league, the engine on him, and oh. just yeah, his ability, his ball carrying is second to none. And then throw a couple of the halfbacks in hooker, whether it's Brad Weber, Aaron Smith, Brad Weber, I think would be a fantastic NRL yeah, just nine. Darty, his little darty. Is he good defensively though? Hooker's yes. got to make a lot of tackles in the NRL. Brave, strong. Okay, he tackled he tackled someone in the weekend, mm. someone enormous. And and they obviously saw Brad Weber and I can take that guy one on one, ran straight into him and Webby put him on his back. Oh yeah, well he'd be great in the hooker role then. Yeah. Um, but he's off to Japan. Mm. Or France. Japan. After the World Cup. Very interesting to see uh where where Australia rugby do go because, you know, Eddie there's so much chat around him being able to sign some big name sort of rugby league players. Um I know Joseph uh Swali'i, um from the Roosters is is sort of rumoured to, to go to Union, although he just signed, I think, a one-year deal with the Roosters to stay on. It could be wrong there, oh, but okay. I think it was a one-year deal. He turned down a three-year offer from the Eels or somebody else. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what sort of pull Eddie has because it could all just be talk, right? And then mm. Eddie doesn't get anyone. And Rob from Australia sent through a very apt text mm-hmm. saying Twiggy Forrest could stump up the funds. Now, Twiggy Forrest the guy that's kept the force alive. But He's, doesn't he hate us, Rugby Australia? Well, yes, but he might like Eddie. And Eddie okay. knows how to form relationships. So if Eddie took a little flight over to Perth and goes, Twiggy, mate, I got an idea. I got an idea. Twiggy, mate, you're going <laughs> to sound like you're drunk. Yes. Okay. Advance too many beers. Yeah. And uh, I'll put a couple of your force boys in. Yeah. And you just give us X dollars and we can get Cam Murray and we can get Payne Haas and we can get Teddy into yeah. the Wallabies. What do you reckon? Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Make it happen. You, you just got to smile while you're talking like that. <laughs> Because the thing about you journalists, you know, you write these silly things about me. <laughs> he also said, African, he it? also said Patrick Carrigan for the blind side has a huge motor and work rate. What do you think about that, Sammy? Patrick, Patrick Carrigan is fantastic. He's had a, I would say, a couple of quiet years. I mean, he's an Origin player, so he, he is a fantastic player. He had reasonably quiet years with the Broncos, but he's he's a gun. He's an absolute gun forward, and once again, he's another youngster who plays in the second row. So, yeah, I I think he'd slot him perfectly. Mm. I. It's a stupid hypothetical, but man, what if we just made up an Australian 15 based off Australian rugby league players? How do you reckon they'd go? Oh, you'd have to do that between four and seven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've actually got, we've got, we should take a break here and in the air break, maybe me and you should compile a 15 just based off Aussie rugby league players and a Wallabies 15 based off Aussie rugby league players. Should we do that? And we'll see if we think they could beat the current Wallabies. Yeah, okay. Okay, let's position. And we'll do your little TAB position for position odds thing. Okay. All right, let's do it. Do it in a minute. Well, 
We haven't had enough time to get a whole team, but we've got a Ford pack, Sammy. I think we've got a Ford pack. Um, and look, by all means, uh, let us know where we're going wrong or uh, or add some names in, take them out. Um, one that we haven't got in here is David Fafita. And I wonder if, given he's an absolute giant of a human, mm. we need to find a space for him. So we, at the moment, we're struggling for a hooker. <clears throat> Excuse me. Struggling for a hooker. Because in the NRL, there's no real short sort of solid s- solid guys that we haven't already got in the, f- in prop, the propping stocks. So th- think of a hooker for us, people. So uh, in the number one jersey, I've got Junior Bolo. Yep. Junior Bolo, because um, he's a big, just a big man. And then in the number three, we've got Josh uh, Babali. Babali, because he's another big, solid, big runner. Um, so those are one and three. We do need a hooker, though. We need number two. Text us a hooker, <clears throat> double, the, eight, locks, double three. the locks, I've just purely gone for height here. So I've gone David Clemmer. And Tino for Swamala Awi, who's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, nice. And I think that's a athletic, pretty strong, so very yeah. very athletic, very good ticker, good engines. Uh, number six, I've got Jeremiah Nanai. Yeah, I and like that, that I think is almost like a Jerome Kano yeah. type, type player. Um, number seven, I've got Kurt Capewell. Because I think Kurt Capewell is just a grafter. Big, big, big body. Hard ball runner, Fast. but he's just a great. And he's a great tackler. He's quick. He's played in the centres before. He plays on an edge. So I'm going to put him number seven, mm. and then I'm going to put Payne Haas as number eight. Oh, come off the back of yeah. the scrum. So Junior Borlo, Josh Papali'i, uh, David Clemmer, Tino Fasuamala'awi, Kurt Capel, Jeremiah Nanai, Payne Haas. We just need a hooker for the Ford pack, and then I think we're going to need another another little break to, to work <laughs> to out the back line. But, but give us a hooker. On yeah. double eight, double Text three. us in double eight, double three. It can't three. be Brandon Smith because he's a Kiwi. He's a ki- yeah, he'd be perfect. He's just absolutely perfect. He's like a young Kevin Mialamu for me. And he'd fossick at the breakdown and he'd be punishing. He'd be brilliant as a, at the back of the rolling mall, touching down, doing the big fist pump and celebrating. So tell us a hooker, double eight, double three. Um, so we'll get those during this break and then we'll come out with our um, NRL backline that can play for the Wallabies. Just a quick cricket update for you. Sri Lanka are 108 for one. Great start for them off 23 overs, going at about four and a half runs and over. Mendes is 62, not out off 46. He's putting the foot down. And Demuth is 32 off 61. Neil Wagner's bowled three overs, none for 30. Wowee. So ticking along quite nicely, Sri Lanka. Right, Sammy? So we've got the team. So... um by popular vote, I think Ruben Cotter is coming in as our hooker. Right. Uh, the Cowboys prop, um, who's a little bit smaller, 5'11", um, 95 kgs. But tell you what, the text machine is all lit up. Uh, Jake Dravojevic was another option, and I think he's probably better. But given that everyone said Ruben Cotter, we, I think... We'll put Jake on the bench. Yeah, okay. So uh, so Junior Paulo, Ruben Cotter, Josh Papali, that's the front row. David Clementino, Fasul Malaui, the locks. Kurt Capel, Jeremiah Nanai, 6 and 7. Then Payne Haas, number 8. So the back line... And I think this back line would ruffle a few feathers in the Australian rugby community. Number nine has got to be Harry Grant. Yeah, um, great. I'd no, he probably has to work on his passing, like from from the back of a scrum, etc. But you know, he's one of the best hookers in the game. So I think you put Harry Grant in there. Maybe you could put Damian Cook. Number ten, Nathan Cleary. I mean, you got to have you got to have Nathan Cleary. Number ten. Uh, the two centres. I think you have Val Holmes at second five, and I think you have Latrell Mitchell at centre. Because <laughs> um, I think Val's got the speed. Trail's got the sort of rumble but look there's a lot of players you could put in there mm. you could put in guys that are just absolute beasts like David Fafita or someone who are just big body humans who are going to roll and tumble 
on the wings, we've gone for Xavier Coates just for his, you know, his sort of lethalness in the year and his try scoring ability, and Josh Adokar because you just need express pace on one wing, don't you? And the Fox has got it. He's brilliant, um, and he's great in a good system. So put put them all together, and then uh, the number fifteen got to go with Turbo. Tommy Turbo, yeah. So that's that's the Australian uh, rugby league slash Wallabies team, and <laughs> you're going to put them up against the actual Wallabies team, yeah. And we're going to do a little TAB odds or a little bit of a margin on who you think might win. Yeah, let's do. You that. You usually do the bench, but we'll we'll flag the we'll bench flag this time. The, yeah, we'll who's fl- the coach for the? Uh, well, the Wallabies coach is. Well, it's going to be Eddie Jones regardless. No, I think, Eddie so. Jones is coach of the yeah. NRL Wallabies. Yeah. Um, We'll just go the 15. We'll just go We'll just go 15. the 15. And, yep. I've, and I've got the Wallabies starting 15 that played Ireland, which is their most recent Wallabies. Mm-hmm. I'll make a couple of subtle changes for ones that weren't available through injury. But just looking down this team now, I think the TAB favourite might be the NRL Wallabies. It might be. Here we go. It might be. Here we go. Here we go. We'll take news. We'll come back after that. Champion sound, yeah, Estelle, we about to get down. get down. Who the hottest in the world right now? Just touched down in London town. Bet they give me a pound. Tell them put the money in my hand right now. Set up a motor, we need more seats. We just sold out all the floor seats. Take me on a trip, I'd like to go someday. Take me to New York, I'd love to see LA. I really want to come pick you Hey guys, for Hooker, what about Nathan Cleary? The cauliflower ears would add to his chin. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. Uh, there is actually uh, a team that's come through here, a full 23 staff. And, wow. Um, it's, it, there's a few similarities to ours. And look, we've missed out some massive names. I mean, this this um, texter has uh, Isaiah Yo and Cameron Murray. I mean, Cameron Murray, to me, is one of the best players in the NRL. Um, and he's put Tedesco in the halves, Val Holmes on the wing. Tedesco um, at second five, he's got. Sorry, Tedesco at second five, that's what I meant. Um, He's got Haas on the bench. That's a massive call. Impact, not bench. Yeah. He's an impact player. Impact, sorry. And then Christian Welch, Ruben Cotterkirk, Kyle Pat Kerrigan, Harry Grant, Matt Burden, Xavier Coe. A, a lot of top name players that can make the team. So you've got the Aussie team, the Wallabies team, the actual Wallabies. The actual Wallabies when they yeah. played on. Now, it's a bit tricky because they did have injury concerns, but they had a front row of James Slipper, Dave Pareki, and Alan Alatoa. Now, you'd have to admit that the Wallabies, the rugby Wallabies, would destroy the NRL Wallabies at scrum time. Correct. Because the technique and and probably line out too. But when the NRL Wallabies get a line out, they'll just go short line out and create, you know, a little bit of deception there. I think set piece, you give it to the Wallabies. But open play, hello. <laughs> so Slipper Pariki and Alan Alatawa. So you'd have to say the front row. I think tick to the Wallabies. Set piece, tick to the Wallabies. Locks. Nick Frost and Caden Neville. <laughs> well, I think Clemmer and uh, and Tino would take them apart. Yeah, and I think the NRL one's much more mobile. They're going to play a high octane. So I'd give that to the NRL Wallabies. A loose forward trio of Jed Holloway, Michael Hooper and Rob Valentini. For it's tight with Hooper in there, isn't it? And Rob Valentini. He's, he is a special player. Payne Haas, though. I know, but... Valentini, he's only 23 as well. He's going to be so good. I think Haas and Valentini evens. Hooper would would win the seven. Um, who was our six for the NRL Wallabies? Uh, Jeremiah Nanai. Yeah, he wins that one. Yeah. So that's one and a half each in there. Backline, Nick White, the one we love to hate. I think, I feel like he, he ticks the box over Harry Grant. 
at halfback. Yeah. yeah, just with just for the long range passing. Harry Grant's used to short range passing, so mm. long range passing you got to give it to Nick White. In the number tens, well, they use Bernard Foley. Looks like they're going to try and use Lolasio a little bit more this year. You just oh, you got to go clear. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. world class. Twelves uh, and thirteens. Here we've got Hunter Paisami and uh, Len Ikitao. Uh, Samu Karevi will be in there. Uh, versus Trellmitt and Val Holmes. I think Trellmitt can com- like he's just a competitor. I think he competes with whoever it is. Mm. It's probably more what Val brings, or if we had somebody else in that centre role. Mm. Probably one each there. Yeah, I'm yeah. Fair. I'm happy. One with that. each there. Uh, the Wings, Tom Wright and Mark. You're talking about surnames. Nawakanton Dolawasi. Nice. He is, a, he is a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. I must. He is fantastic as Was a Wright wing. the guy who scored like a double on debut as well? Or? I think that's him. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, and who are the Wings? Josh Adakar. And Xavier Coates. <sighs> See, I'd give Mark Nawakanton uh, I'd give him a tick, but I'd definitely give Ado Car a tick. So one all there as well. Mm-hmm. Fullback Tom Travoich over Andrew Calloway all day, all day. So how, where does that leave us? It leaves us uh, the NRL Wallabies one seventy, the Wallabies Wallabies two dollars five. Wow! So you're giving it to the NRL Wallabies? Interesting. If it rains, if it's cold, if it's windy, if it's all of those things. I flip the price and make the Wallaby Wallabies yep. the favourite. And we have you have to park reality for a second in the fact that clearly the Wallabies would dominate because it's their game. We are mm. assuming that the NRL players would have a season, a, a level, yeah, a level of rugby knowledge that would allow them to play. It's more their skill set, their physicality, etc. So yeah. we'll give them a season. Chuck them in the Western Force, the Melbourne Rebels, make them competitive again. Chuck a couple in the oh, Waratahs. Just give Sydney another. Just give Sydney a team in. Oh, West you know? Sydney always want their own team in any league. Mm. I always see West Sydney people saying, we deserve a football team, we deserve a basketball team, we deserve a netball team. Mm-hmm. West Sydney must be huge. Yeah, so give give the, give the that team to West Sydney and let's see how they go. Mm. Make it happen. It'd be fun. I appreciate the te- I'm going to run through some checks before we uh, get out of here. Uh, get out and come back. Um, Jared said, I played against Big Nelson, Asafa Solomona in under-13s, Canterbury versus Wellington. He was their number eight, and he and he did their kicking. Extremely talented. He was easily the biggest player on the field, and we had some big boys in Canterbury side. Jared from Christchurch. Wow. Why doesn't the NZRU make a play at Joey Manu? Manu, be more of a return than Roger Tuivasa. Sheik. I think they did have a crack at Joey Manu. I think they did have a crack, but... Oh. You need some big coin. You need some big, big coin. Um, I've read that one. Mark Burton from Bulldogs at 12. Sumo Willie and Brizzy. Sumo Willie, love your text messages. Viliami Kikau and Samu Karevi midfield would be solid. How fast is Viliami Kikau? Is he a fast runner? Is he fast enough? No, he he's fast for, for his size and for a second rower but in the NRL, but he's not. He's not rapid. He's not rapid. He's probably not a centre type rapid. And he, and he is unfit. Okay. Doesn't run for a lot throughout a game, you know, and needs the break. We've got Val Holmes at 13 or 15, Payne Haas at 8, Ruben Cotter 7, David Fafita 6, Nico Hines 10. Nico Hines, yeah. Afternoon, gentlemen. In his prime, I would have taken Greg Inglis. Most tries in origin and set up most of Darius Boyd's tries in origin as well. And I'd play him anywhere except the front row. <laughs> He was talented, wasn't he? Um, Nathan Cleary at 10. Joseph Suali. Suali. E-E. 
Uh, fullback or centre? Latrell, fullback, centre. Upi Corrissau, halfback. Yeah. George Burgess, number eight <laughs> for England. David Fafita, someone says. Uh, Latrell Mitch would carve up anywhere in the backs other than nine. I agree. I'd love to see a fully fit, fully healthy aerobically fit Latrell Mitchell. Hey guys, not sure what position, but David Fafita from the Titans would be good. Cheers from Carl. I agree. Patrick Carrigan would be a great lock six. And Caelan Ponga already played rugby and would be a good fit anywhere through the back line. Yeah, he he did that uh, renegotiate my contract by saying, you know, I've always wanted to play for the All Blacks. Uh, kia ora, Steph. It was me that got the 11 on the par five this morning. Cheers, dagger. <laughs> dagger, it wasn't you. Is that Izzy Dag texting the show? It's not. Okay. No, it wasn't you. I uh, can't remember the bloke's name, but it wasn't Dagger. Um, if Solomona can potentially play for the Wallabies, surely Joey Manu can. Oh, Nelson Asafa Solomona. Joey Manu probably could because there's a residency type thing. I'm not sure what it is. Um, if only... Oops. If only Brandon Smith was an Aussie, Reuben Cotter for hooker. I was saying that to Sam as well. Of all the hookers in the NRL, I think Brandon Smith is ideal. There's a mix of Dane Coles. There's a mix of Cody Taylor. There's a little bit of Kevin Mialamu on him. There's no quit in him. So, yeah, I think Brandon Smith, but Kiwi. Got to have Reuben Cotter in there for sure. Man's an absolute workhorse and will make a stellar hooker. Uh, Jake Travojevic for hooker. Reuben Cotter for hooker. Uh, ben Hunt for hooker. What do you think? A bit small, bit small, bit small. Could be a halfback. I appreciate what you say, Ken. Uh, Dave Fafita, Tim from the 09. Hooker, Reuben, Reuben Cotter Cowboys. Uh, Wade Graham for hooker. Mm. Queensland Cowboys prop at six. Queensland Cowboys. Oh, yeah, we talked about that one earlier. Dave Fafita, Lindsay Collins, Josh Adakar, and Nathan Cleary. That's from James. And another, got a lot of love for Reuben Cotter. I'm going to have to watch a bit more league so I can familiarise myself with the great man. Oh, there's a whole heap more. Manly fullback and his brother. Hey, guys, another selling point for Eddie Jones to get league players to rugby is they have a Lions tour in 2025. Great point, Carl. It's your second great point of the day. Wouldn't surprise me if Israel Folau rocked up. Now, someone also texted earlier... um, they said, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Cam saying, didn't Israel Folau play for Tonga in the Pacific Cup? I think he did last year, actually, which would make him ineligible for the Wallabies. Because he played... Um, the Fiki Toa play? Siali Piatau. There were a few played. Um, Charles Piatau. I think they played. I think you're right. Nico Hines is a clever, clever human. I think he'd fit into centre. He will take his learnings week to week. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk the real NRL with Dan Talentai. He's the editorial lead at the NRL. We'll go game by game, but particularly around the Warriors. That's after the break. And it is awesome. I'm going to carry on our league chat. We've been going and out. We're going to go another 10 or so minutes with the great man Dan Talentai out of NRL, one of the uh, leading contributors there. Dan, welcome in. Hey, Savvy, great to chat to you again. Uh, really exciting to do the last 10 minutes of your hour and 10-minute long rugby league chat. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, mate. Uh, before we look at round two, um, gosh, it, 
for interest sake in the NRL, some of those results out of the weekend um, over here, obviously, the one New Zealand Warriors, 2012, over the Knights. But the Broncos beating the Panthers and the Dolphins beating the Roosters, I don't think even Nostradamus on steroids would have picked that. Uh, no, no. Certainly very few people, I think, were rocking eight from eight from their tipping last week. Just a brilliant round to kick off the season, wasn't it? There were upsets. There was thrilling finishes, um, some really good performances. Look, a fantastic round. Ratings were through the roof in Australia here. I'm sure similar results uh, in New Zealand as well with the Warriors playing really well uh, under Andrew Webster. Yeah, just a fantastic round to kick off the year, and it sets the platform really well for an even uh, better round two. One of the two teams that's going to be looking for a bounce back is tonight, 10 o'clock New Zealand time, which must be 8 o'clock over there. Panthers taking on the Rabbitohs. Um, and you can probably find as many people in the street saying Panthers will be minor premiers, but there's a lot of support out there for the Rabbitohs. They looked good last week as well. Yeah, I thought they really did. Obviously, I thought Cronulla actually played them really well without Nico Hines last week. But South probably just had a little bit too much class in the end. Um, probably what's difficult for South this week is I think a few of their absentees, they lost both Jai Arrow and Tavita Totola really early in last week's game. Um, both of those won't feature this week. So I think a few are missing there for the Rabbitohs. Uh, whereas Penrith, I think, look, while they were certainly clunky last week against Brisbane, they did only go down by a point and certainly had some opportunities late in the game to potentially even make that a tighter finish. So, look, I think Penrith certainly won't have been happy with their start to the year going down in the World Club Challenge and then going down again to Brisbane I think it'd be a brave person to suggest they lose three home games in a row, given how dominant they've been at Penrith. Uh, I actually really like them winning this game. I think they, uh, Ivan Cleary will have this side really up for it after last week's disappointment. Um, and something like that, a little bit of a reality check, might not be the worst thing for a side that has been just so dominant over the last three, four years. And then Friday night, we see the 12th-placed Eels taking on the 14th-placed Sharks. I... Important season for the Eels this year? Yeah, very much so. Obviously, uh, I think what much was kind of made about a lot of the players they lost in the off-season, perhaps headlined most by Isaiah Papali'i going from the Eels to the Tigers, uh, Reid Marnie going to the Bulldogs, certainly two really big absentees. And I think they really felt those losses last week, as well as some of the other players like Maratha Niokore and uh, other players, Sean Lane was out injured. Ryan Madison is currently suspended. So a really, really important game for the Eels. Uh, it is Mitchell Moses' 200th game. Um, so I think they'll certainly be up for it. Um, but obviously we know Eels under pressure at the moment. And they've got a really tricky start to the year. Um, uh, you don't want to get too ahead of it, but they play Manly at Manly next week, followed by a game against Penrith, followed by a game against the Roosters. So it, this is a really big game in the context of their season. Don't want to start 0-2 having been in last year's grand final. Uh, for Cronulla, I think, look, they're obviously still up against it without Nico Hines. He's still sidelined with a calf injury. That does limit their attacking creativity, but I thought they played really well last week without him. I thought uh, Braden Trindle was excellent in the halves. Mm. Um, oh, look, I still think they're a real chance this week. I just think Parramatta at home, uh, given the disappointment of, of their opening round, I think they'll just be a little bit too strong uh, against the Cronulla side that uh, doesn't quite have their star playmaker yet. Just on the Eels, Mitch Moses, uh, is he worth as much as he's holding out for? Uh, players' worth is always such a tricky thing. I mean, ultimately, he's worth what a team is willing to pay him, first and foremost. Mm. And it seems like there's two teams that are willing to pay him certainly big money. Uh, we have to remember, too, I think Mitch showed last year that he was a grand final halfback. Um, so he's certainly one of the top halfbacks in the game. And the reality is players like that don't just grow on trees. You know, I think if you're 
the Eels, if you don't have Mitch Moses, who are you going to get um, as your star million-dollar playmaker? And similarly, I can understand why the Tigers are chasing him so hard. If they miss out on him, they, you know, there's certainly a bit of a, a lack in their halves. Obviously, they've got Brooks and, and, and Dewey there at the moment. Um, but Mitch is certainly one of the top playmakers in the game, and I think we just see that elevation in the price come as a result of a, a little bit of supply and demand there. Um, he's one of the, the premier playmakers, and if teams are willing to go all in for him, given what he's shown over 199 games so far, I can understand it. Um, look, salary caps are going up, so players' salaries are going to go up as a result. Um, it is also just a little bit opportunistic with a bit of a bidding war. Sometimes that does lead to increased price. And look, I think we all know players are in the game for a short amount of time. So if Mitch can get uh, this money, he's obviously got a young baby. Um, he's got engaged, I think, I think as well. So look, certainly, uh, yeah, a really good uh, thing for him and his family. Um, and I just hope that it leads into a really good performance for him this week as he celebrates his 200th. You won't believe this. I'm just going to tell you this because it's happened right now, um, Dan. Sir Peter Charles Leach, the mad butcher, has been in our B studio recording something. He's just opened the door while the on-air light is on and thrown me a warrior's cap. <laughs> Isn't he a wonderful I'm not going to say anything of Sir Peter Leach. What an absolute legend. And look, wouldn't he be happy with how the Warriors played last week? Oh, boy, oh, boy. A former warrior has been named to start uh, for the Broncos, Reese Walsh. And uh, just in the back line, the matchups in this back line, Walsh against Drinkwater, Corey Oates, Kyle Felt, Val Holmes, Katoni Staggs, uh, um, Adam Reynolds, Chance, Chad Townsend. Add all to that that it's the Queensland derby, a feature match at Suncorp. Oh, match of the round. Oh, absolutely, I think. I'd be stunned if there's not 40,000 at Suncorp cheering this game on. I think these are two really important teams to watch this year. I think the Broncos certainly would have been disappointed with how last year finished for them. Obviously, they were a top-four side pretty much all year and then fell away late and actually missed the finals. The Cowboys, I think many had tipped them to run in the bottom four and they finished as high as they did. So, look, I think they've both continued off where they uh, left last year. The Broncos, I thought, were excellent against Penrith. A really gritty performance. Adam Reynolds was just incredible in what he provided with his leadership and his guidance. The Cowboys, look, they obviously came out really fast against Penrith, uh, really out of the box quickly to lead 18-0, against Canberra, sorry, uh, 18-0 up, and then obviously Canberra took them back before Chad Townsend got them home. I think that's actually a really important win for them. Obviously, kind of, if they've thrown that one away, I think there's a little bit of chance that the heads will drop. But not only did they have that reality check last week to keep the put on the pedal, um, they also still got away with the two points. So, look, absolutely shapes up to the mouth-watering game. You speak about the, the back line uh, of both sides. Up front, you've still got guys like Payne Haas, Patrick Carrigan, uh, Jason Tamalolo, uh, Ruben Cotter. Like, they're, they're, the list of players that could influence this game is immense. And it should be an absolute uh, cracker of a game on uh, Friday night. Would it be a fair statement if we take off our, like if I take off my Warriors cap and people take off their Cronulla jerseys, the NRL is a better competition if the Broncos are performing well? I think we saw last week that just Queensland teams doing well is great for the game. All four Queensland teams won last week. Look, we know how big the Broncos fan base is and we know how big the audience is in Brisbane, so big that there was a second team introduced in the Dolphins and we saw just how strong their engagement has been. Uh, they obviously had a great crowd last week and have sold out their stadium this week. We'll get to them in a bit. But look, certainly I think we know that a healthy competition across Australia and New Zealand is an excellent thing. Brisbane's obviously a big part of that given their history in the game and it's certainly great to see them playing well given uh, the roster they've got and the size of kind of their audience that they've had historically over a number of years.
Roosters Warriors, I should have saved it to last, but I can't wait to hear what you think about this. <laughs> Roosters 15th on the table, Warriors 5th. Come on, you mighty Warriors. Come on, the Warriors. Look, I did say, I think uh, fairly early into last year, that Andrew Webster was a fantastic person. I'd just like to be on record with that again this year. <laughs> I, I absolutely love Webby. He is a fantastic coach. I'm really excited to see what he can do at the Warriors there. Uh, former roommate of mine when we were at the Tigers, so very excited to see him go well there. Look, uh, look, there's a playing the Roosters in their first game in Sydney after they've had a bad loss is probably not the matchup you want, but it's a great opportunity for the Warriors. I certainly don't think they'll... Um, they're going into this game as quite heavy outsiders. I certainly don't think that'll be the case. I can look. I can see the Roosters getting home just given the, um, you know, the talent they have available. Particularly if both Victor Radley and Brandon Smith play, which it's looking like they will, as they undergo their head injury assessment protocols this week. But there was a lot to like about the Warriors last week. Um, obviously, I thought they um, controlled that contest really well. I thought uh, Tomato Martin was excellent. I'm really excited to see how he goes this year. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of new combinations there, which are going great and. The uh, depth of talent that I think is there in the Warriors is a really exciting thing. Um, a lot of young forwards, which I think is great. I thought Jackson Ford was excellent last week. Um, yeah, certainly some really great signs to watch moving forward. Uh, this is a big test this weekend, though, against the Roosters. Yeah, what was the big? What was your big takeout? I know Sammy Hewitt, who calls the game for us over here, his word was the resilience that the Warriors showed in their fight for the whole 80 minutes. And also a little bit of fitness. Yeah. They were getting back on defence. There was, there was just some good professional urgency from them last week. Yeah, professional urgency is a good thing. I think it's certainly something that I think Andrew Webster will have instilled. You've got to remember he's been both an attack coach and a defensive coach previously in his time as an assistant coach. So I think it's rare to kind of have a head coach that spent time doing both of those facets of the game. Um, one, you know, they usually prioritise one over the other. And I think what that leads to is really great team buy-in. Um, I think that was certainly something that's been led right throughout um, uh, what's been said all year. I, I really liked what Andrew Webster said post-game around it being a new DNA for them, that resilience. I think if they can capture that, um, that's something that'll hold them through a lot of games. You're not always going to win games because you're resilient, um, but you will win more than you lose um, purely by hanging in the contest. Um, and I think we've seen so many times over the years, I think the Melbourne Storm are probably the ultimate pinnacle of that. If you just keep fighting, there are so many times that they will get over the line at the end. Um, if that's something the Warriors can capture, which I think is fair to say they probably haven't historically gotten right all the time, if they can hold on to that, they will be a, a real tough side to, to face this year. And I think we probably might have also underestimated just how hard it is to go from Australia to New Zealand. It's mm. a trip that, you know, we haven't really made for two and a half years for a lot of these Australian teams. There'd be a lot of players that have never played the Warriors in New Zealand. It is a tough trip, and historically it was always such a tough trip for Australian teams. If, if the Warriors can kind of make that home ground the fortress, obviously they were not at Mount Smart last week, but when they are at Mount Smart and wherever they are in New Zealand, if they can make those grounds a fortress, they will be a really tough side to beat this year. The one that pleased my heart after the Warriors win, actually, uh, I'm a bit of a romantic when it comes to the sport, was, was the Dolphins, Wayne Bennett. Uh, people have been called, calling it the retirement home team. When you've got a year left in your career, you go to the Dolphins. They were pretty special last week. They were just incredible. And those scenes were terrific. You know, and I think it's a really great example of what happens when you have players that buy into to something and, and just how much a, a team can come together and really bring out the best in people. Um, I think getting the experienced heads that Wayne Bennett did in the Bromwich brothers and uh, Felice Kapusi. Um, I thought they were all excellent together in the way in which they led the side. Felice was just incredible in the way in which he 
uh, set up that team defensively. Um, and then when you have those players that are playing well, it adds the opportunity for Isaiah Katoa to play well. I thought Sean O'Sullivan was excellent. Um, Hamiso is obviously electric. Jermaine Asako played well. Oh, I re- I'm a big fan of Pomali Lemuelu, um, who's been coming off the bench for them. I think he's a real player to watch. So, yeah, look, I think any rugby league fan was certainly had of a bit of a, a romantic element to the Dolphins last week. Maybe not Roosters fans, but everyone else was fairly keen for to see the Dolphins go well. And they're at home this week, sold out at KO Stadium in Redcliffe uh, against the Raiders. And that's a really intriguing matchup. Um, Canberra were, were very good for 50-odd minutes against the Cowboys last week. They were just quite slow at the start and didn't quite nail the ending, and they've lost. Um, really tough trip for them now, still uh, back on the Sunshine Coast now. I've actually stayed in Queensland all week, Canberra, so it's mm. going to be interesting to see whether that time in camp has been beneficial for them. Um, but, yeah, it's really shaping up. as quite an intriguing game. And uh, a team, I like to call the project team, since Phil Gould went to the Bulldogs, they'd have to be disappointed in their performance last week. But have they got the bounce-back ability? Um, exclude the Storm as part of the equation, even though they are playing them. <laughs> can, can, can you see them bouncing back during the season and maybe being a playoff threat? Oh, I think undoubtedly. With the, ta- with the talent they have available, there is no doubt that the Bulldogs can bounce back. I, I don't know if we'll see a, a more... I-, I thought Matt Burton and Billy Yamakikau really struggled last week, and that's not usual for them. They are superb players of um, high class. They're both representative players, and without doubt we'll see a more improved Bulldogs this week, um, but also as the year goes on. So I certainly can see them being a threat. Um, I think they've had a lot of changes in their spine, obviously with Reid Marnie going there, uh, Hayes Perrin moving back to fullback. That, that, that's a fair change in the way in which your team operates. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see how they go throughout the year as those combinations grow. Um, without doubt, they are, they are moving forward as a team from where they were. Obviously, the arrival of Stephen Crichton next year will make them even stronger. And I know you said to remove it from the equation, but you kind of can't remove Melbourne <laughs> in Melbourne from the equation. They are an incredible side. It almost seems to not matter how many players they have missing every week. They just continue to turn up and find a way. And Again, they might be missing a few, but when you have the class of uh, Jerome Hughes and, and Harry Grant, they are always going to be a very tricky side to beat. Brilliant, Dan. Always enjoy talking the great game of NRL with you. Thanks heaps for chatting to us and rounding out our hour and a half of rugby league today. <laughs> Absolute pleasure, Savvy. All the best. Cheers, buddy. Dan Talentai out of the NRL. We'll take new sport weather. We'll come back after that. Just an update quickly before we get to Pops on the New Zealand PGA Championship. Mr. Yo, after shooting 28 on the front nine, has gone par, birdie, birdie, bogey, birdie, birdie. So sits at 11 under at the moment. So if he pardon, he's going to get 71. One birdie, 70. Uh, sorry, 60. He needs two birdies in the last three holes to break 60. To shoot 59. And one of them is a par 5 and just about everyone is birdieing it. Go on, you good thing. Shoot a 59. Something that Brendan Popperwell's done before, but his was nine holes. G'day, B-Pops. That's probably guaranteed, Steph. Uh, Very good afternoon to you.
We've just done a full hour and a half on the NRL. It's been fantastic fun, actually, putting together an NRL Wallabies team to take on the Australian Rugby Wallabies team, which was a lot of fun. Then we've just spoken to Dan Talentire on the NRL round that's coming up. I suggested to him, and he sort of agreed, the number one game this weekend is the Broncos, probably sold out at Suncorp, taking on the Cowboys, uh, almost a coin flip price-wise. They're both paying $10 to win the comp. It's such an even game. So way to money goes where in that game? Look, at the moment, it's with Broncos, the, the Brisbane Broncos. And it, that's off the back of how well they played last week, of course, to go and beat Penrith like they did away. Uh, that was a massive victory and, and maybe a stake in where they are sitting for 2023. Uh, so at this stage, 180 for the Broncos. Uh, Best back in terms of percentages, around about 55% of the betting in the head-to-head market is with them, and the Cowboys at a dollar 97. Uh, look, look, the Cowboys got the job done against the Raiders. They started hot, uh, and then were able to scrape home with a drop goal at the end. And tonight's game too, because I, mm. this is a real important game for Penrith to get back on. You know, with what we want to see from Penrith, and, and I guess those two games they played, two wet games, uh, key players out. They're up against a team that, you know, is, is also uh, our best backed, one of our better backed teams in the outright market in the South Sydney Rabbitohs. But the money is with the Panthers, though. 157. A lot of faithful uh, believe the Panthers can win this game against the Rabbitohs at 235. The money we've seen, we've seen a couple of thousand dollar bets rolling through on the Panthers at that 157. We've also seen money for uh, the best back power play and Penrith to win both halves at $3. We've seen good money there. And we've had. 3,500 on the point start on the two-way point start, which is Panthers minus four and a half at a dollar ninety. So we've seen good money in those areas. The most interesting one we've seen over the last couple of days was two $1,500 bets in the turnaround in the halftime full-time margin. Uh, sorry, halftime full-time double. Mm. Uh, so 1,500 on either a Panthers Rabbitohs or a Rabbitohs Panthers. Uh, on both of those options, both been taken. And that was earlier in the week. So whoever's following that particular bet will be thinking, this team just win by a little bit by half time, and the other team comes over the top and wins by a few more. So that'll be a bit of a tricky watch in the first 40 minutes, and let's hope for that punter it's not a draw at half time. I was going to say, he's going um, to hate it when it's half time and it's 12 all. Oh, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd be, you're calling for the, the last minute drop goal before half time. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, great matchups those ones and the Warriors too. A lot of support for the Warriors uh, leading into round number two. Best back has actually been thirteen and over. Uh, would you believe in that match? Warriors have just dipped under the four dollars now. They're three ninety five, and Warriors thirteen and over. As I said, is our best back option so far on the winning team and margin. You can get a very tasty. $13. Tasty. Now, our Tamuka correspondent goes by the name of Jim, has told us uh, that there it's pouring with rain in Tamuka and it's heading to Christchurch. It's heading to Christchurch mm-hmm. and we have live betting on the uh, cricket. Has the draw got any interest? Yes, it does. So far in, in, in where we sit with the betting, it is Sri Lanka and the draw are equally best back in the market for the head-to-head at, uh, at this stage. Uh, so draw $4.40. Sri Lanka have played really well, in fact, in that first session to be 120 without loss. Uh, so their price sits at three twenty-five. Black Caps $1.76. Good first hour, poor and sloppy second hour of that first session. Uh, so, yeah, good money around the draw, and especially with that weather 
uh, hanging about. When New Zealand do get a turn to have a bat, we've seen money for Devin Conway at 375. And Tom Latham, we always see money for Tom Latham when he plays at his home ground. And Hagley, $4.50. Kane Williamson heads up that market at $3.60. Yeah, and I love me a rain radar. And my prediction is the rain will hit Christchurch in about 45 minutes, if the tracking is correct on the rain radar. So we'll keep an eye on that. So at about... uh, well, let's, let's go for half past two. We might see the rain come in. And lastly, B-Pops, I love it on a Thursday when, when we're chatting to you. Good horse, man. Any long ranges for Saturday for us? Uh, long range one. I, I would say if you're looking for a, a bit of an outsider bet, have a look at Asterix coming up in the Bone Crusher Stakes. Now, he's going to be a $16 chance up against some very good horses. He might be a very good top four chance in that race. You've got Prowess who missed the derby. Last week, you've got La Creek, who's a Group 1 performer. Campionessa pushed the eventual derby winner. And Defibrillator is, is a Group 1 winner at Pukekohe. But Asterix won the derby last year, beating La Creek. And the word is that he's worked up a treat. So he's $16 if you want to take the win money. But I thought that each way around him. So it's in race. Let's find the race for you exactly. Pukekohe on Saturday. Race number eight. Asterix is at 16 and 3.20. And his current top four price is 2.20. And I think raced in the Herbie Dyke last time and threw a plate, so it looks like it did no good, but had a, had its excuse. Yep. So to put a line through that, it had form of 191. I oh, like $16. You can come back on the show, mate. You can come back. <laughs> <laughs> and look, if it doesn't come in, I'll, I'll still come back anyway. Absolutely so, um, you will, because $16 shots aren't <laughs> supposed to come in. But if you give us 16 $16 shots in a row that can't come in, we'll renegotiate the contract. Okay, boss. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Pops. Great chatting, buddy. All right. Cheers, Cheers mate. Yeah, Asterix is paying 16 a win and 320 a place. Ooh. Asterix for top two, 550, top three, 320, top four, 220. Asterix, I'm definitely going to have a look at that. The Group 1 Bone Crusher race worth $320,000. Pukekohe at 447 race 8. TOB.co.nz. Go there for all of the bits and bobs we always talk about on the markets, live betting on the cricket, of course, the full rounds of NRL and Super Rugby, Super Rugby Opicky, the whole lot is there for you. We'll have a break. We'll find out what else is making news around the world with our roving reporter, Sammy Hewitt. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? We didn't get you to do the conch um, shell yesterday, Steph. Oh, you didn't bring a conch shell in. Finn, can you go out there and just see if there's like a paper towel um, tube for Steph to blow into? Um, And we'll see if we can sneak that in the next five minutes. Um, I will have you know, I did at school play the E-flat soprano corner. Really? Mm. Finn, if you go get that now, that'd be fantastic. Um, I thought you were joking, eh? yeah, literally get up off your chair. Go. He, he still there. Hey, literally get up off that chair and go and get it, Mister Basella. Right, um, yeah, two seconds. <laughs> I see you get out of the way. Yeah, sweet. Uh, interesting. This segment could make a what's making news at another radio Gosh, station. I just, I just wanted him to get out of here. Oh really? No, nah, just kidding. Um, love you, Finn. So, um, we'll start with the Spanish woman, eh? Yeah, he hasn't gone to the kitchen. He's gone to the pre-record booth, looking for. 
Okay. He's got a lot to learn. Spanish woman. Oh, no, he's uh, found one. Ivana Mor- Moral. It's actually ironic. Her last name is spelt Moral. Her name's Ivana. She's 48, and she set a new precedent staff in the legal system um, because uh, she did... Oh, we found it. Beautiful. Uh, she did all of the household chores during her marriage to her now ex-husband, and a Spanish court says that now that they're divorced, he ought to pay for it. Is that fair? In a decision that became public yesterday, a court in Velez Malaga, uh, southern Spain, ruled that uh, Moral should be paid 200,000 euros. That's about 215,000 US, which is what, about 350 New Zealand by her ex-husband in compensation, uh, compensation for unpaid housework during their 25-year marriage. The groundbreaking ruling means that she will receive the equivalent of Spain's minimum monthly professional wage for the years that they were married. Um, 25 years of marriage. So, look, all I'm saying is, Steph, um, gents, just keep your wits. Be keep your there. wits about, yeah. Okay. Let's get some sort of agreement drawn up there about who does what and how much you get paid for it. You know, I've certainly done my fish here at Housework, Steph, so I'm keeping a record. Keep you just know Katie doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> Thank She's goodness. At work. Thank goodness. Um, now, the story that came across my desk this morning, being the investigative journalist that I am, man in jail for incident which happened 166 years ago. Slightly misleading. Uh, it's a 70 year old man who's currently in prison after committing a crime related to a discovery made 150 years ago. Uh, 1857, the SE Central America dubbed the Ship of Gold sank off the coast of South Carolina as a result of a hurricane. A decade later, in 1988, uh, Thomas Gregory Thompson. His name is actually Thomas Tommy Gregory Thompson. That's a lot of Toms. Wow, that is. Yeah, Tommy Thompson. Led a team to try and locate the sunken ship and receive its treasures. Now, he basically, I'm not saying he conned, but he managed to get millions of dollars of backing to fund his plans to to, uh, retrieve the tens of uh, tons of gold from the uh, the gold rush that was on the ship. Um, he used an un- underwater robot called Nemo <laughs> alongside a vessel called the Arctic Discoverer and he uh, quickly discovered the wreck uh, later that year, later in 1988. However, he reportedly uh, didn't receive legal authorization to pursue it until 2003. So he went and did it in 88. He didn't actually get the sort of legal documents until 2003. Um... He actually got $300 million worth of gold. Wow. Yeah. So he was fairly reluctant to give that up, as you might imagine. Uh, instead of giving any of the proceeds to the investors, he sold the majority of the bars and coins he bought from the depths of the sea to a marketing group who paid only $50 million for it in 2000. Um, after being sued by the investors, he went on the run in 2012, and he failed to show up to one of the lawsuit's hearings. And so a civil contempt warrant was issued in 2012, and that's why he's in prison. Not because he stole the gold, not because he's keeping it from investors, but because he didn't show up for his court date. You idiot. Yeah. Um, he's apparently, he apparently lived on the run for three years just using cash and fake passports, etc. Um, 500 coins still remain missing. This is the thing. Oh. He sold all of them but 500. They reckon that's worth about uh, $2.5 million. Um, and he supposedly now is claiming that he has short-term memory loss as a result of chronic fatigue syndrome. <laughs> he can't tell you where, it, where they are. Which is very convenient for Tommy Thompson. But I thought that was quite a twisty-turny story, and I thought you might like to hear it. Um, and finally, Adidas. Mm. So you know how Adidas have uh, broken ties with Yeezy, Kanye? Yeah. Um, they don't know what to do with all the shoes, Steph. 1.2, actually $2 billion US worth of Yeezy shoes. Wow. Now, the logical response to that would be, well, you sell the shoes, all the royalties go to Kanye. They don't want to do that. Give the shoes away. 
because they're so sought after, there'll be a very high resale market. They'll end up being sold anyway and being sold on the on the sort of black market. So Adidas have $2 billion worth of shoes and they don't know what to do with them. And they don't want to destroy them because there's sustainability issues all around that. Let's get in touch with them. It can be a price for the chase, price for the vault. All $2 billion, two, all $2 billion you reckon? Yeah. You just, you there's a caveat that you're not allowed to sell them. No, prizes. That's, prizes. It's actually quite interesting. Like, how do they solve that? I don't know how they actually solve that issue. They've just got, apparently they've got stacks of warehouses just littered with the shoes. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll try and work that one out, shall we? Yeah. We'll try and figure it out together. Um, I'll give you a fact after the break, shall I? Okay. Sam. I'll give you a fact. Okay. Um, but then well, I want to hear your conch shell. Okay. And uh, actually, Craig said there are a lot of conspiracies theories <laughs> around these days, so that's very good. And Brian says that easy story is soul-destroying. Um, over 90,000 people in Japan are over 100 years old. Did you know that? No. 90,000 90, are over 100. 88% of them are women. So probably just going back to that first story about getting paid for your household work. Um, can you blow the? Can you give us a conch? I'll give it a go. A conch blowing off. demonstration, please, yep. here through the paper towel go, apparatus. <clears throat> It's not bad. You can't play a little tune like a kid or Michael Jackson, like. I think you'd win it. I reckon you'd win it. You can't hear me. I said I think you'd win it. Actually, got sore lips. Yeah, you probably would. You're not a pro. <laughs> <laughs> it's not unusual. Next time. Update on the cricket, Sri Lanka, 140 for one. Tim Southey, the only wicket taker through his 10 and a half overs. He has a wicket for 33 runs. Mendes is on 82, still going along at a good rapid rate, 82 off 64. And Demuth is, or Dymuth, I think it's Demuth, uh, 44 off 77. So making a great fist of it. Uh, the Sri Lankans scoring over 100 runs, I think it was 120 at lunch and they've come back and just added 20 in the second session so far um, and our golf watch as well they just haven't updated the scorecard for a little while uh, Sing Jun Yo is still showing on the scoreboard or the leaderboard as 11 under through 15 can he break 60 he needs two more birdies from three holes one of them is a par five. I think he'll birdie that. Most, of, well, a lot of the field are doing that. One more birdie on the other two, and we've got a 59er in our midst. Sung Jin Yo. Um, so I will keep an eye on that and the cricket for you and the weather for you. I reckon we're 30 minutes from rain in Christchurch, according to the raid radar. But I've had a few texts from Christchurch residents saying no, the wind's the wrong direction to get rain. So I hope you guys are right. Well, you'll be more right than me because I'm not living there. Right, we're going to talk some Super Rugby. Super Rugby Opiki as well is where I want to kick it off first, actually, with Tony Johnson uh, from Sky Sport. Welcome in, TJ. Great to have you on a Thursday as usual. Hey, Staffy. Super Rugby Opiki. Um, I, was, I read a story during the week that women's rugby registrations have doubled since the Rugby World Cup win to the Black Ferns and they still just get a three round robin and a final and 
I'm thinking, why couldn't they have done home and away? They don't need permission from World Rugby. They don't need permission from Sansa, Australia, South Africa, anywhere else. I thought that was an easy one. Yeah, what they've done, they've actually got the full round robin, then a semi-final, so it means everyone's going to make the semi-finals, regardless of where you finish on the table, and then a final. And the question's being asked, have they gone far enough? Um, I've, I've sort of said it before now, I, I would have loved to have seen the Australians involved, but yeah, home and away, to me, uh, if when you're looking to cash in on what happened last year, have they gone far enough? I think the consensus is that maybe they, they, they have simply have not done enough in this competition because because there's no question it has provided an, a step up that you've got the best players concentrated on four teams. It's provided a step up in quality. It, it you know between the provincial rugby, which is still a, you know we've still got some very strong teams, but still some provincial teams really in a developmental stage. So mm. the overall standard um, you know is, is higher in this. It, it, it's great. Some of the rugby they're playing is terrific. The crowds have been good, particularly when they get the uh, the standalone games. Uh, the crowds have been really good, and so had the question, you know, have they done enough through Super Rugby Opeki to to really uh, cash in on what happened last year? And I think that the, the feeling is that they really have missed the boat here a bit. And here's the other thing that I didn't realise, and people out there might not realise. We tried to get a couple of Super Rugby Opeki players on the show earlier this week, and both franchise told us, "Oh, look, we don't have them in here till they they gather on Thursdays to get to play their matches on Saturday, and then they disband again, and then they come back the following th- so they go back to their normal jobs. So it's I don't know if half-assed is the right word, but geez, so they're still working." Um, and just come together two days before a game, play a game, and go back to work. Uh, doesn't seem quite yeah. right to me when they're world champions. And I know it's not, probably not a fair comparison. ANZ Premiership, we're not, we're not world champions in netball. They play they play each team three times over, over a longer period. And I'm not saying it has to match that, but a home and away would have been really nice, and it could have been initiated quite quickly, I feel. Yeah, I, I guess that just says they're still in a you know developmental stage of this competition. I mean, ideally, you want them all to get. I mean, especially if you're only going to play effectively for a, what a month and a half. Uh, they surely, uh, as a professional competition that this is supposed to be, you'd, you'd have some more time together. But I mean, hopefully, this is just, it's just a progression. Mm. From you know, as time goes on. It'll happen, and as I've said before, I, I really want to see a crossover with the Australians or the Australians involved, maybe Fiji as well, and bring a, an international flavour to it. Because clearly, uh, you know, people always used to talk about, you know, what the crowds were like, etc. But you know, the demand, the interest is there. Hundred percent, it is. I, I absolutely agree, and I've watched quite a few of them. Absolutely enjoyed it, and it's uh, it's warmed my heart to see the number of people turning up and families in the crowd. Um, you know, families don't go to a lot of sporting events anymore, but they're making it accessible. They're making it affordable, and I do applaud it. Um, Super Rugby Pacific, TJ, the Highlanders look in a bit of trouble. They've conceded the most points by a New Zealand side in the opening two rounds since Super Rugby began in 1996. That tells you pretty much everything that's going on at the moment. You've, you've struck a rampant Blues team first up. Okay, that's pretty hard. Then you strike a, a wounded Crusaders team, and now you strike the, the, the Chiefs. So what chances of it uh, getting any brighter for the Highlanders fans? Uh, I know that they've got uh, some of their all-black power back. Uh, Shannon Frizzell, Aaron Smith, I think, uh, is the group back as well for this week. 
Um, but they, they face a, a Chiefs team that are just going gangbusters at the moment in Hamilton. So, yeah, they, they're, they're in a bit of trouble early on. I, I think they can't get some games from against teams from elsewhere in the world fast enough. Is there... I had someone mention to me in the weekend, is there a, a need, a requirement to maybe try and balance out the talent pool across our super rugby teams, given that the New Zealand Rugby Union are the employers of all of these you know, New Zealand-based players? Can, would that be too much interference, or can we do something to help the Highlanders? Well, it has been done before. If you think back to the early days of Super Rugby, there actually was a commissioner, Peter Thorburn, and what they did was, I think each team had a, a certain number of uh, protected players, yep. and everyone else went into a pool, and New Zealand Rugby kind of decided who went where, and we had that situation where they uh, they decided they wanted to see Leon McDonald playing at first five for a while, so they sent him up to the Chiefs, and Blair Feeney got sent down to the Crusaders, and all hell was raised. <laughs> so they have tried it before. Uh, it wasn't popular, and so they stopped doing it. I know people talk about a draft as well. I just don't know whether we're quite set up for that. You know, it, it, it's a great idea. It adds a lot of intrigue to the competition. I mean, we see the you know, incredible interest in it, the through-the-roof interest in American sports when they're drafting the college basketball players and football players and so on. I'm just not quite sure we're quite set up for that yet. Um, but that would be one way, I suppose, of, you know, if you're the team that struggled, uh, you know, in the case of the teams, you know, Cincinnati Reds that I follow in baseball, they always get a really good draft pick because they're really useless. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how it's worked, you know, that, that uh, you know, suddenly uh, a team that's been struggling uh, gets to sign in successive years, uh, Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that, that's that's how the, the, the draft system works. But I'm not quite sure whether we're right, in, just quite got the right shape about it to, to do that in New Zealand. Yeah. It, it just doesn't seem to get any traction. No, uh, and there seems to be an um, the averse to change. Because Am I right in thinking what you've just brought up about uh, it was a semi-draft? And you could, I think you could protect something like 20 players. So the Hurricanes, for example, could protect players from Wellington, Hawke's Bay, Manawatu, and the Heartland within then. And then the other players went on a whiteboard, uh, and every team did that. And then you've just got a massive pool of players. And they went around and said, well, I'll have him, I'll have him. I'll have him. That would make amazing television. Well, the, the, yeah, they have operated on a system like that in the past, but uh, you know, it, it, I think just at the moment where it looks like um, the, the high, we've got one team that's just at the moment not performing as well as the others. Let's just just wait and see what happens. You know, the next few weeks, Staffy. I mean, we, we can't write them off after two, possibly three rounds, because we've got a lot of crossover games to come. Yeah, I look at I look at the games I've got after that. They host the Force, then they host the Drua, away to Moana, and then host the Hurricanes. You know, they, they'll be aiming for three out of those four, and maybe it's not as uh, horrendous as we, as we all think, because you're right, they've taken on three of the top teams in the competition to kick us off underway. The Rebels are taking on the Waratahs, TJ. I thought the Rebels were pretty damn good last week. Uh, yeah, this is the game against the Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know yeah. I know they were at home, but they seem to roll their sleeves up. And I, even though they lost, I think they'll take heart from that. Yeah, I think they will too. Um, 
Yeah, there was a couple of interesting things that happened in that game. I, you know, I, we saw um, Peter Mafaleo getting yellow carded for an illegal clean out. Um, you know, the Rebels scored a try right at the beginning of the game uh, when we saw almost exactly the same thing happen. Jordy yep. Barrett was defending the line, got one right in the face, and nothing was done about it. That try should probably have been ruled out. Um, and then you had a, a situation where Gordon got the bloke with the mullet, got the runaway try. He scored one metre in from the corner, and Reese Hodge converted it from five metres in from touch. So they might have had a couple of little breaks that helped to close the game up. And, of course, the, the business with Artie Savier as well. But uh, they were feisty. And I actually really went... I didn't much like the, the aftermath, the aftermath, I should say, the consequence of it. But seeing things getting a bit feisty just before half-time, I, I, quite fun, really. And, and they'll, they'll take some heart from that, but they were competitive. Artie Savia moment and I'm with you it's a combat sport without throwing punches and it's heat of the moment um, he shouldn't have done it he can't, he did all he could after the match to apologise for it um, I don't think I've ever seen anyone apologise more for something uh, I think other players might have just said look it's heat of the battle move on but he apologised he told us about his dad giving him a serve and they've slapped a one week ban on a bloke that didn't even throw a punch or look like it well yeah you go back to the root of it all. I don't think he should have even been yellow carded in the mm. first place. He got involved and yeah, he dragged someone out, but did that really warrant a yellow card? I know that James Dolman had them on a warning, but but really yellow card for that? And and that was the root of it. Everything that sort of you know followed on from that. So what they've done is they have given him a one week ban because he was yellow carded and then received a warning for something separate. And so they decided because of that, they would give him one week. Now, that's one way around getting, you know, the, getting around the old, uh, you know, contrary to uh, the spirit of the game or sportsmanship or, or bringing the game into disrepute sort of thing, which would warrant a more severe ban. And so what they've done is they've been seen to do something about it, but not too much about it. And so in some ways, the judiciary is sort of dancing and playing the orchestra, you know, in a way. Um, look, mate, we all know what a great player he is, um, what a great character he is, and generally sets a good example. But when it happened, I thought there's going to be, hell, you know, there's, there's going to be an uproar over this, and it didn't last very long. It, it, it's not a good look. I mean, a, a bloke drawing the thumb across the throat like that, it... it, it there's not much you can do to misinterpret what that means. And mm. it wasn't a good look. And, and to his credit, you know, he did fess up, he did own up, but that image wasn't favourable. What, what, what this says to me is that there's still a couple of All Blacks who insist on doing that when they do couple a pungal. You know, the, 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 the hacker that they first bought out against yeah. um, the Springboks. Um, what was that, 2005, when they introduced the new haka. Uh, so what happens now, if you see one of the All Blacks doing that in the haka, are they going to get suspended for a week too? Uh, mm. they were, they're not supposed to do that in the haka. I mean, that's been uh, made very clear that that was never the intention of that uh, that movement across the torso uh, right at the end of it. But, but some of them still do it. So, you know, just watch that space. Does yeah, that mean that they're going to, you know, someone's going to get warned for doing that from now from now on? I still think it's not quite as serious as Jai Morant pulling out a handgun in a nightclub uh, in an off night from the NBA. No, it's not. <laughs> yep. And I can understand why people are saying, you know, heat of the moment, they're warriors, 
things get fired up. Um, but you've also got to be careful for the image of the game. And yeah. as I'm saying, he, he did all made all the right moves afterwards. Um, but in the heat of the moment, it it wasn't a, a, a great look. Yeah, and to his credit too, I think he's t- he's he's got the suspension. He'll take his medicine. He'll watch the game, and he'll come back next week, and he'll he'll have a huge game, which leads me to the Hurricanes hosting the Blues. That'll cop most of the interest from rugby fans. A Hurricanes team without Ari Savia, I think they'll respond. TJ. Oh well, you look at the loose forward trio that they've got. Peter Luckey, who's one of the most exciting young players in the country. Duplessis Kitifi, we all know what a quality player he is. He'll step into that that role, no trouble at all, as the sort of the the leader of the loose trio. And Devin Flanders, who's you know just a real rip and bust, you know, go a hundred percent all the time. So yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, you, you no one's going to not miss a, a guy of the quality of Adi Savia. Um, but that still leaves them with a pretty good loose trio. They've gone all right. They, in the end, it was a pretty tough game that they had to try and win last week um, on the back of a very good first-round performance. So uh, this this um, match, they'll want to kick on from that. The Blues, I thought last week there were aspects of their game that Leon McDonald will be tearing his hair out. I mean, discipline against the Brumbies, you all know that when you play the Brumbies, you can't give away penalty, especially over there, because they'll boot them into the corner and they'll get that line-out drive going. That was that was the obvious thing. Their discipline will need to improve this week. Secondly, uh, their tactical kicking was really poor in this game. They kicked away a lot of ball. Uh, some of those dinky little kicks, they just didn't come off. They kicked the ball back to the Brumbies too many times and, again, allowed to do the Brumbies to do what they love to do, which is dictate where on the field the game is played. And the other thing was, to their support of the ball carrier was just not good enough. And so guys were going into contact. There was no one there to, to clean out the jackal or anything like that. And so the Brumbies, in a lot of cases, just helped themselves. And they were really, you know, there's a lot of blokes in that Brumbies forward pack are not frightened to put their head into, you know, into dark places and, and, and try and, you know, rip the ball away. So... They'll, they'll have had a look at that, the Hurricanes, uh, and if, if, if the Blues can't improve their support of the ball carrier, then that loose forward trio that we're talking about, uh, their eyes will light up. But I, I expect I expect the Blues will. I, they should have uh, enough out firepower to edge, in my opinion. But, but to me, still, it's a game that could go either way. And, you know, it could turn out to be a really important game for both of those teams when you, you know, look at the final analysis. Yep, and and the last game I wanted to talk to you about, and you've sort of semi-answered it uh, in a roundabout way, I thought the Brumbies, uh, they're sort of five-point favourites against the Reds. But my question was, uh, the poor execution of the Blues, did it make the the Brumbies look a little bit better than they should have looked? Well, the thing with the Brumbies, they don't play a lot of rugby. Uh, you know, they, they, but they know what their limitations are. They play to their strengths. And if you play into their hands, well, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, Reds were a lot better last week. They were really disappointing the first week. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I, look, if, if the Reds play that well again, they're a chance. But if they make the sort of mistakes that the Blues make, well, the Brumbies will just help themselves. The health of the Wallabies uh, selectors, do you think they've had any um, any inspiration from the Australian performances so far? 
I think they will. Uh, you know, it's probably quite important, not that Blues fans will agree, but it's probably quite important for the credibility of the competition that Australia, you know, they've picked up an early win against the New Zealand side. Remember, they went for a while where they just weren't getting any wins. Um, and, and it, you know, that feisty performance that we saw um, from the Rebels, that will greatly encourage Eddie Jones. Um, and, and so... Uh, and that, that's got to be good for the competition. You don't want it all going one way for the for the sake of the competition. Um, and 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 so you know they'll they'll take a fair bit from it. Um, I, I still think it's going to be a, a massive job for Eddie Jones um, this year. Um, you know when you consider the issues that, that they've had, but. There'll at least be some cause for encouragement. Do you think? Uh, actually, lastly, we talked in the um, for the first hour. We sort of played a little bit of devil's advocate, saying which NRL players should or could Eddie Jones target to bolster a Wallaby side. Um, and do you feel like Eddie Jones might be able to introduce some um, third-party money, some external money, to try and? make a very sick Australian rugby coffers a little bit more healthy to encourage some players. And, you know, he's, I said earlier today, he's like the second coming of Jesus in Australia at the moment. Everywhere he goes, a camera pops up and he's grinning and the crowd are cheering. He's such a talisman. Do, do you think he can do more for Australian rugby than, than just coach? Well, I, I, to me, I think that the answers to the, you know, the questions that are being posed are already there in the rugby ranks. The problem is, is that they're not playing in Australia. And mm. it's, it's guys like Karevi, um, Will Skelton, people like that. You know, if he could get his best players back, if he could get them to relax some of the rules and, and what have you and get some of those guys back, and, and maybe they'll be inspired to want to come back because of Eddie Jones being there, I still think they can put together a really strong team. I mean, that's that's the problem. When Karevi is in the middle of that Australian back line, they're a different team. And if you can get a big guy like Skelton in the middle of the forward pack, you know, one or two other guys, you know, back from overseas, then I think, you know, different story. Um, if you have to pick the team from what's going around in Australia, only in Australia at the moment, then I think it's, a, it's going to be a real uphill battle. So to me, I think he's probably going to be looking or would probably be looking more at the, at the existing talent in the rugby ranks that are playing out of the country trying to get them back into the fold and, and then looking at making this, you know, and let's face it, they've made some terrible mistakes. It's spent an awful lot of money on getting rugby league players across from rugby and, and for every Lottie Tungiri or even Wendell Saylor or something, you know, you've had two or three busts and I just don't think that Australians have got the, rug, the money to be doing that. Yeah, and they obviously paid Israel Folau a heap of money as well, which really dented the bank accounts. TJ, we've got a well, scoot, though. No, no, no. He's the biggest example, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good man, TJ. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, mate. Cheers, buddy. TJ, wonderful man, out of Sky Sport Rugby. Sri Lanka's just lost their second win at Kusol Mendes, out for 87, not a happy camper. LBW to Southie, shouldered arms without playing a shot, hit him on the thigh pad. Could have been a bit high. Went to DRS and TMOs and VAR and whatever it is in cricket, and they said, no, you are gone. Two down for Sri Lanka. Attempt at a drive through the offside. Matt Henry with the delivery, and it's gone through to slip. Is that I Golden? I think. Well, Latham oh, through sorry. to the keeper. I thought it was Matthews, oh, but so it's, it's the other guy. It's uh, the Karuna Ratna. Uh, the fifty, the fifty runs off eighty-seven. So we've got a couple of uh, 
new batters uh, on Blob. So Matthews has just faced one ball. He's yet to score. And the number five is coming. So the three down. 151 for three. Come on, New Zealand. Come on, New Zealand. Check the rain radar, Steph. I love a rain radar. I don't know why I love rain radar. And they love to and they love to rain. And they love to rain. Let's have a look. We haven't really done that in a while, have we? No, we haven't. So rain radar moving, getting in. It's now inland for Christchurch. It's moving. It's moving. It's moving. It's mo- the showers over Christchurch now. According to the rain radar, these little showers, light showers, just hitting Christchurch now, and there's a little bit of a blue blob, which is probably 20 minutes away. So can't see on the screen whether it's uh, these light showers there. But two new batsmen at the crease for New Zealand. Uh, let's strike again. Let's go through them. Let's go through them in the second session. They won the first session. Come on, Black Caps, win the next session. Oh, it was Latham at second slip. My apologies. Latham at second slip, taking the catch. Right, we'll take new sport and weather with a great man, John McNeil. And if you want to play Show Me the Money, Ring us now, 0800 150 You can be the fourth leg of our four-leg multi-$50 TRB bonus bet if it wins, you win. We don't, but we get happy, you get rich. Ring us now if you want to play Show Me The Money. Show you the money. Not, not so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. I'd love to show you the money on Monday, whoever our caller is. How many, how, do we have to spin? Oh, we do have to spin the uh, the magic wheel. Um, we've got 10 lines here, um, but we only have to load it with eight. So spin that wheel. I'll spin the wheel, actually. I'll spin the wheel because I can't see the names. It cannot be um, biased. Spinning on the internet free spinner. Come on. Eight. Line eight. Who's on line eight, Sam? Uh, we've got, I think, uh, line eight. Is, I think Josh from Christchurch has just come through on line eight. Josh, are you there? Yeah, mate. Right here. How you Fantastic. going, buddy? This is good. Have you played this before? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. No. I, um, yeah, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I love a year, nah. That's a great way to start. Um, no, yeah. Um, now... You get to pick a leg, me, Sam, and um, Fimbasello. Le- LeBron James, Fimbasello, whatever you want to call him. You can either pick first or last. What would you? What do you want to do? I'll go last. You'll yep. go last. Great idea. Sure, yep. you be there, a go. man in control of his destiny. Uh, let's start with Fimbasello today, shall we? Yes. Mark. Sweet. Now, let me guess. Basketball? Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> a six foot five guy is going to always pick basketball. Uh, Bacello, basketball. Is it NBA or NBL? NBL today, Steph. Righto, what are you going? Obviously, finals days. Breakers, Sydney, tomorrow night. Bidding with my heart here. In Sydney, I'm still taking the Breakers, 235, head to head. Wow, oh. just straight head to head. Straight head to head. They did it last week? They did, actually, in Sydney, didn't they? Yes, exactly. So, um,. I'm just going to um, maybe just put Josh on hold there while he goes through the wind tunnel. Yeah. Um, I'll go next, Steph. Um, I am going to go to uh, the great game of rugby league. And <laughs> I will. There's a lot of there's a lot of games on this weekend, but there's a lot of uncertainty around them as well. I'm going to actually go for the last game on the Sunday at eight fifteen p.m. It is. The Titans versus the Dragons. I believe it's um, 
at Jubilee, which is in St George. What two horrible teams. Correct, which means it's easier to predict the try scorers. Ah. Um, so I'm going to go to uh, Magali Ravalawa from the Dragons, who's paying two bucks to score because I think the Titans' defense isn't as good as it was against the Tigers, or the Tigers didn't really threaten it. But I think um, I think the Dragons might score a couple of meat pies, and I think Ravalawa. Uh, out on the wing is going to get it at two bucks. Show, right. me the money. Show you the money. Um, I'm a little bit buoyed. Uh, I think TJ's in my camp as well. I'm going super rugby. You stick with your onions. I thought the Brumbies were good against um, the Blues last week. I think the Reds, they got beaten by the Hurricanes. I think the Blues would probably beat the Hurricanes. That means the Brumbies are a lot better than the Reds. I'm, I think this is safe. Brumbies minus five and a half at a dollar ninety. Sam Hewitt. Show me the money. Yeah. Right. Bring Happy the wind, bring Josh back into the wind tunnel. He's back in. Josh. How's it going? Sorry about that. Just um, out walking these cows in. So. Oh. Love supporting the agricultural sector. Yeah. <laughs> right. Walking so. Back. Um, and we're about to have you, have you been sort of taking them on a walk? You know, just leisurely, or are they coming from one paddock to no, the other? No, no. We've got a destination, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we're going to going into Milton. So. Oh, beauty! Fantastic. Yeah, it's nice, lovely afternoon for it. There yeah. you go. Is it raining? No, nah, it's just been a wee bit of drizzle. I've actually got a bloody good view uh, here of the Port Hills, and I see a wee bit of drizzle going through, but it's really warm and breezy. So, um, nah, it won't. It, it, Maybe you know five minutes, but uh, you'll be right. Well, we'll get we'll, we'll try and get you some uh, a bit slip in before you, before it starts coming down. So at the moment, it's sitting at eight dollars ninety three. Just if that influences you in any way, Josh. Yeah, you know, they always go pretty much the same. Okay. Um, what's so your looking at, um, What's your leg gonna be? Gonna be. Sorry, mate. I just changed my mind after listening to you, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I take the um, North Queensland Cowboys to beat the Broncos. Yeah, that's not a bad tip, actually, and it's quite close at the moment because it is in Brisbane on a Friday night. There is... Uh, there is there is a crazy stat around um, Brisbane winning games on Friday night at some court, but I'm happy to put a dollar ninety-seven for the Cowboys in there, and I add that to the multi. Seventeen dollars fifty-nine is the total odds. So when we put our fifty-dollar bonus bet on that. What? Oh my gosh! Yeah, these uh, cows just looked. I was just going to say, did you get the did you get the um you the, got the glared eye from Daisy? Yeah, I felt that. I felt that. Um, <laughs> I reckon the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs head over the Panthers. That is very good money. Oh, that's a massive call. Talking. That is a massive call. Although I personally think that the um, Rabbitohs pack's better than the, their Panthers pack. So um, I'll put, throw that in at $2.35. That's definitely going to pump yep, it up. There we go. I'll uh, thank you with that. So We're going to be looking at about a grand. $20.98, Steph. You're not going to be far off because we're going to put 50 bucks on it. We are at $999.27. Oh, <laughs> come on. Take Tell you what, that'll buy your cows some new, you know, leads, some new leashes for when you walk them the next time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're about oh, what's to, we're, my cows, mate. Whereabouts is your farm, Josh? Uh, just, uh, just out, probably not far from uh, one of your hosts, actually. Is he? I'd say, um, yeah, very close to that Ohoka region. Ah. Fantastic. All right. You just said, wait, hold on. You just said they weren't your cows, Josh. I hope you're not nicking someone's cows there. He's a cattle rustler. Oh, no, no. I'm, 
I'm just paid paid to look after them. You know? <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> I believe you. Top man, Josh. Wish you all the best, buddy. Thanks, you guys. Awesome listening to you today. Um, yeah, no, it's always good. Keeps me through the day, man. Good man. Good to have you listening. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Cheers, buddy. So just review that for us, Sammy. The uh, four lead multi. Macaulay Ravalawa two dollars. St George against the Gold Coast Titans. Brumbies five and a half minus five and a half points start against the Queensland Reds. Uh, the Breakers just head to head against Sydney. Worried about that one at two thirty five. And then the South Sydney Rabitos. Uh, going up against Panthers, Panthers two dollars thirty five, which I think is a bit of value for money. Um, it sort of reminded me of last week. The Eels were very long in the market against the Storm, and both me and Kempe were talking about how, whilst we still back the Storm, it was far too long. And I think it's sort of the same here with the Rabbits. I think it's a lot closer than that. Mm. Um, but what a what a night tonight! Um, Ten o'clock <laughs> late night kickoff on a Thursday. Shut the gate. Park up. Couple of Lion Reds or a Export mm. Gold. Um. Couple of quick text messages, if I might. Hi there, Please. lads. Just listening to the debate around Artie's gesture. How's it acceptable during a haka, but not during general play? Cheers, Warwick. I think that's what TJ was intimating that um, the All Blacks are not supposed to do the gesture during the haka, but quite often when they do do couple of pongo, there are two or three that do it. Guarantee they don't anymore after the um, Artie Savia situation. Um, Blues have rested a few All Blacks, including Mark Talia. Thank you, Ken. And John, who must be in Christchurch, said it is raining now, Staffy. So me and me old mate, Rain Raider, might have been onto something. But they're still playing. They're still on the field. They are still on the field. Um, and one more text message, which came in about an hour ago, I wanted to read. In the mid-90s, we were talking about the NRL Wallabies taking on the Rugby Wallabies, what would happen? In the mid-90s, I watched a cross-code, Bath Rugby versus Wigan League at Twickenham. Bath dominated the set-piece and won 44-19 to in the game of Union, and Wigan won the game of League by 70 points. Fantastic. I would love to see that. And I remember when Matty Johns first retired, not Matty Johns, Joey Johns, some of the, one of the Johns, they said, let's just have a hybrid game. Let's just do do it for the fans. We've talked about it for years, but it died a death, which is really, 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 really sad. Um, do you want to play the vault? <laughs> Get back on the phone. If you didn't make it through to show me the money, $150 TAB bonus bet. And you can spend it how you choose. Me, Finn, and Sam have absolutely no say. We had seven questions yesterday. Ask by moi. Don't make me ask the next ones because I'm starting to run out of ideas. 0800-150-811. If you want to have a crack at the vault, here's what's happened so far. Is it the Southern Hemisphere? No. I'm going to do this, Sam. Is it pre-2000? Yes. Team sport? No. Is it a New Zealand sportsman? Yes. World champs? No. Is a ball involved? No. Is equipment involved? Yes. 0800-150-811. See if you can unlock the vault. Seven questions, one answer. Can you... Crack the vault. Mm, covers are on in Christchurch. The rain's arrived. <clears throat> the vault. The vault. Six people have called up for the vote versus eight from uh, Show Me The Money. So I'm going to spin the little thing now. I wish I, I need to find a spinner that doesn't take so long. It's slowing down now. One. 
Line one of six, so it's usually okay. the first person to ring. So who have we got on uh, line got, one? Uh, John, maybe for Christchurch. I don't know if Finn's put him on. John from Christchurch. Come in, John. G'day, team. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. John, right, did you hear the amazing contestant we had yesterday and the wonderful seven questions he asked? I did, I actually thought he was pretty flashy, actually. He did a good job. <laughs> right, he's well, our I winner. To, well, I had to listen to it last night because I didn't actually hear it live yesterday. And I thought, that's brilliant. It did very well, Paula. Until <laughs> <laughs> it got to the guess, I had no idea who to guess. But you've had uh, a few hours to marinate on it. So you get five questions today. Yes, no questions. Then see if you can guess what it is. Away you go, John. Well, um, is the equipment um, uh, motorised? Is the equipment motorised? Motorised equipment. Good question. No, no, it is not. But I do like the question. No, it's not. But motorised in a slightly. Okay. So next one is um, is there uh, a boat? Is there a what? Sorry. A boat. Uh, uh, was it done on water? Go that way. Is it done on water? Ah, uh, yes, it is. It's done okay. on water. Nice. Yes. Rightio. Oh, okay. Um, did this happen in... One moment, please. Um, <laughs> in... <laughs> in uh, 1984? <laughs> is it done in 1984? <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yep. Oh, look at, the, look at you go, John and Christchurch. Okay, hey, um, so that was my last guess, is that right? No, you got no, two no, you got more two questions more. if you need them. Okay, cool. So, um, was this um, in, in Los Angeles um, Olympic Games? Yes, it is. So, therefore, Mars will just go um, have a guess, I think. Um, was that Ian Ferguson winning the K1500 sprint? Oh. Are you locking that in one question early, John? Am I correct in saying that? Well, Mars because I'm going to be fucking anyway. Okay, all right. Hey, let's put it in. Let's put it in and find out. Good luck, John. Oh, my God. And Ferguson has moved out to the front. Romania second. Boberg from Sweden is third. And Ian Ferguson, the Iron Man of New Zealand canoeing, is out in front. He's going to win the gold medal for New Zealand. There you go. Wow, spot on. Well done. I didn't even pick that vault, but um, I wouldn't have got it as quickly as John did. That I tell was you what, John, when, when when you said that, I was worried because he also won the K two five hundred and the K four one thousand as well. It could have been one of those. True, actually. And I thought you wanted to use one more question to say, was it Ian Ferguson by himself or something like that? When when you asked yesterday about a, a New Zealand sportsman, um, I thought oh, it's just got to be individual, obviously. So um, actually, I did say, yeah, is it a team sport? And it was no. Yeah, no, you've you've done correct. You've done your team sport that out. Yeah. brilliantly well. One hundred and fifty dollar TRB bonus bet. You stay on the line. Uh, we'll get uh, Finn to get your details. Congratulations, buddy. Oh, staff, I can give you a live update. There's a light shower of rain, mate, but uh, not enough to get the cricketers off either, so she's looking pretty good. Okay, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Have a great day. See you, mate. John from Christchurch. He's another winner. Uh, The cricketers are off, but the umpires are back out, having a look around, looking quite promising. We'll take a break, have our last little stint, and we'll come back. Here's what happened back in the day.
just two day. Looks like the umpires are walking back out and the players are going to follow them. So about a half an hour break for rain. Let's hope it stays away. Back in the day, March 9, 1961, the Golden Shears. Now it's become one of the most iconic events for shearing and wool handling industry in New Zealand. It was first held at the Mastered and War Memorial Stadium between March 9 and 11, 1961, and it's still a fantastic event. 1995, Major League Baseball owners voted 28 to 0 to, to admit two new teams, and they were the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Arizona D backs for the 1998 season. Birthdays today Bill Beaumont, former England captain and head of world rugby, turns 70. Martin Johnson, former England captain, turns 52 today. And Tuki turns 45. Time and time again, zigzagging and doing nothing. Here's a kick from Jones. Oh, Tuki! The big man has come down with the ball. Here's me talking about them zigzagging and going nowhere. And then look at this big man. Floats through the air like Kazali and puts it down over the line. Now Marsh is back to where he should be. Now it's away from Jones. Then it's gone on to Campy and turns it in for Tuki. Tuki's over. Mark Tuki gets his second try. And even though they've been on the end of a rampage down the other end of the park, they've gone down the other end. And Mark Tukey gets another try. Oh, one of the greats, Mark Tukey. You want cult figure? There's one there. Number one movie on this day in 1985 was Witness. And the number one song was this. We played that at the end of last week, Sam. You clearly don't listen to the show. We're on holiday. Uh, Captain K played this on Friday, I think. But it was number one on that day, and it is number one on this day. So it stayed there for a little while. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you, LeBron James, Finn Basimo. Uh, the run home. Kirsten Beaver in the house. They'll take you through till 7.